0: Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at ticksplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to so all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's ticksplit, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today.
1: Welcome to another fun filled Friday edition of Second City Sports. We're and in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss LaKeena McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. And you can
0: follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG.
1: Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can catch any of the other five live shows throughout the week. If you happen to miss them, you could go back and watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. If you want to catch the audio version of this podcast, Second City Sports, you could do so by subscribing to War on Anger. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Type this in your search engine boxes on those podcast platforms. You ready? W A R R on anchor. Once again, at WARR on anchor. And you can follow War Media at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. And thank you very much in advance for your support.
0: Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends.
1: We are unapologetically fun and we have very different opinions. You have any uh, opinions uh, of, about sports? Doing our two hour extravaganza, we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. You can go to Sports of Chicago's Facebook page or Sports of Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll in or do something stupid or act ignorant, as you young folks would say, I've given Lakina football to give you fools the full Bill and Beer boot. Bye bye. I love when she says that. <laughs> Looking, let's kick off the Friday edition of Second City Sports, our first show for the month of June, by discussing the 2022 NBA Finals. It kicked off in San Francisco, California last night between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. The Boston Celtics trailed by 14 points going into the fourth quarter. They come out of there with a 120-108 to 108 victory in Game 1. Al Horford, the ageless veteran, the 35-year-old veteran, had 26 points to lead the Boston Celtics, while Steph Curry scored 34 for the Warriors. It was Boston's 40 points in the fourth quarter to the Golden State Warriors' 18 that broke the game wide open. But early, Lakina, it was a hot shooting of the Boston Celtics, especially from the three-point line that kept them in the game. Golden State started off hot, in particular Steph Curry, but it was the second and fourth quarters that uh, did the Warriors' in Lakina, before we break this down, I want to get your initial thoughts about last night's Game 1 victory where you shot about the Celtics going in, into into Oracle and getting game 1 or if you're the Warriors just dust it off and say that's okay we got an extra day between games 1 and 2 we'll come out with a better effort on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I think if you're if you're the Warriors I think you probably feel a little bit of both you're like okay how in the world did the Celtics you know, have score 40 points and you get out scored 40 to 11 in the fourth quarter and also to look you're not going to have like you know what think they had like nine threes They hit like nine threes in the fourth quarter so that, that's not going to happen a lot and look at what happened and if you're the warriors i mean look what happened with milwaukee they were down 2-0 against phoenix last year and they were able to come mm-hmm. back and win the last one uh you know the last four well not the last four or four but you know they won the next four so they ended up winning the title so and you get the extra day in between so you kind of like but i will say though that steve kerr does need to make some adjustments especially on the uh, on the defensive front so that they can kind of force you know, maybe force the Celtics to kind of you know contest shots and you know make you know make like you know bad shots and whatnot. So look, mm-hmm. I mean, look, these things happen. Look, there have been teams that have look, like I said last year with Milwaukee, that they look, they lost the the first two, and they end up coming back, winning the uh, the next four, and end up winning the title. So it's not too look. I don't think Al Horford is going to score twenty six points <laughs> in every of uh, finals game. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there was some other, and in, in, like, I think, look, yeah, you know, the Warriors passed us some really contested threes. And I think if you're, you know, if you hear Draymond's comments, he only had, he had 11 rebounds, we he only had six points. So he, four points, let's just say, so he could have, he could have done more. I know Clay struggled from the field as well. He was three, for, mm, Sorry about that, folks. Uh, he, he was, uh, he was only like three for seven from three point range. So that's not going to do it. Um, Jordan Poole struggled. So that's not going to do it either. So it's it sort of one, you only had nine points. So it's sort of one of those things where I think other guys need to step up. Kelvin Looney needs to step up. And, you know, among some of the other guys, Otto, Otto Porter, today's his birthday today. He's here. You know, he just turned 29, but uh, he had 12 points. You know, he did what he could, but he didn't need it. He needed more help. You know, Iggy had seven points. He had a little bit of the Angels wonder, if you will. So I think the Warriors need to step up, especially when it comes to their defense, because I feel like, Look, they're not, look, like I said before, I mean, the Celtics are not going to score, uh, Have you know, hit nine threes. That's not going to happen. So, you know, I think, look, 21 points all the best from Derek White. I mean, look, I, I think look, it's just one of those, look, freaking things happen in the finals, right? This is why this is the best of seven. You know, the weird things happen in the playoffs, especially the NBA finals. You, you, we've had finals where guys have came out of nowhere and end up leading their team to a victory and kind of not expected victory. So it's one of those things where you just sort of have to, you know, Yeah, you're a little bit concerned if you're a Warriors fan, but if you're the Warriors players and look, this isn't the first quarter, you just dust it off and then just move on to Sunday's game.
1: I want to talk about the first half, Lakina, uh, especially when the Warriors came out hot. Steph Curry scored 21 points in that first quarter, but in the second quarter, he was held in check, especially by Marcus you Remember, Steph Curry didn't get to the free throw line to midway through that third quarter. I thought that adjustment was made by Coach Ime Udoka. Great job by him, the Celtics head coach. Marcus Smart was on Steph Curry like flies to horse manure, okay? But you, if you notice off of pick and roll switches, when Jason Tatum, someone taller, was on Steph Curry, Steph Curry used to screen, especially from Draymond Green and Looney, and he was able to get off in that first quarter. But when Marcus Smart was on him, uh, Steph Curry couldn't do what he needed to do. Now, on the flip side for Boston, it was just one of those nice shooting the ball. I know they're not the world's greatest shooting team, but uh, they went uh, – to what, what made them successful last night. And sh- they were shooting a three-ball, in particular Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had another terrific game uh, last night, scoring 20-plus points. But I wanted to talk about the uh, the adjustments that the Celtics made, especially in that first half. Defensively, uh, Robert Williams III had four blocks. Jalen Brown on the breakaway layup attempt by, I want to say, Andrew Wiggins. He had a block. And, and he was rewarded with the dunk on the other end. Boston's defense turned up, especially in that second quarter. We'll get to the second half in just a moment because they did the same thing. But in that first half, Laquina, uh, the Celtics were uh, in the game because of that hot shooting, but it was really their that defense that w- w- really kept them in in that first half.
0: It really was, and I think that's sort of why I think that that's what – that's what kind of this run that the, the you know, the Sussex got into in the second half, even after being outscored by 14 in the third, they were able to kind of come back and adjust it. So it's sort of one of those things where look, you, 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 Yudoku, I think I'm getting like Tibbs vibes from him. So yeah, they, you know, yeah, he made it to the, <laughs> yeah, he made it to the, uh, the final. They call me but,
1: Mr. Tibbs, <laughs> yeah,
0: but, but you know, we'll, 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 we'll find out in the next couple of years, you know, if these guys don't wear out, but, you know, back to the matter at hand here. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, their, their defense, you know, the, they forced the Warriors to hit, you know, to probably, you know, take shots. And that's why someone passed up on some shots That's mm-hmm. probably why whether it's a turnovers and such. So yeah, you give the Celtics credit for, you know, hanging in there and, and, you know, and such, especially when, you know, Steph had that, you know, huge run in the first quarter. But at the same time though, like I said before, you know, this is why they call it the best of seven. strange things happen in the NBA finals, especially. So let, let's, you know, let's not make any conclusions. I'm, I'm, I'm already here supposed to say, well, hey, yo Celtics has six. So I'm going to change my, my pick. No, let's not do that. I mean, you have the first team, you know, to, you know, win by double digits after trailing by double digits entering the fourth. Okay. Yeah. Look, it's an anomaly. It happens. But like I said, this is why they call it a best of seven. So you kind of just dust it off. Look. But so the Bulls lost the opener to the Lakers, imagine the Lakers in '91, and they ended up. Coming I was back there. And, you know, <laughs> in the next four, so I think I think people yeah. need to and there other instances too. Like I said, last year with Milwaukee, lost the first, mm-hmm. lost the the first two against Phoenix, came back, you know, won the the next four. So I think people need to kind of just tame their expectations. Either way, let's not make any proclamations or any declarations. Then we'll see what happens in Game Two. Like I say, you get that extra day off. you don't know, play again until Sunday. So you can, you know, Steve Kirk can make the adjustments and maybe, you know, other, the other, you know, we'll get into this for Ricky in a little bit, but more guys need to step up. Like I said before, Wiggins need to step up a little bit, you know, he had 20 points, but look, Draymond needs to step up a little bit. Like I said, Looney needs to, I know Clay Thompson have his best shooting night last night, probably his worst shooting night of the playoffs, but look, look, they're veterans. So these guys are veterans. It's not their first rodeo. You can kind of adjust it off and just, you know, you know, go through it again.
1: You're listening to Second City Sports' all new Friday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. We're live and live in living color. I'm Sid Desk Lakina. We're discussing game one of the NBA Finals that took place last night between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. The Celtics uh, lead that best of seven series, one game to none, by after stealing game one last night, 120 to 108. Lakina, let's review the second half. Of course, the third quarter Bologna. To the Golden State, um, to the Golden State Warriors, they jumped out to that double digit lead. Boston's shooting from the outside fell off for a while, but even when the Warriors were building up the, that lead, I wanted to ask you this: when I was watching it, even though the the Warriors were up by fourteen, I really, I never honestly got that feeling that this game was over because Boston was still trying to grind away to get back into the game in that third quarter. That Divas was. That's what got them back in the game. If you notice, uh, it, it, that momentum defensively started to pick up for them in that fourth quarter, but in that third quarter, the Golden State Warriors, were, they were making shots. They were uh, moving the, They were moving around w- without the basketball because if you notice, when Seth Curry has the basketball, they stand around, but when others get involved and, and cut and pick, uh, the offense flows that much more smoothly for the Golden State Warriors.
0: Yeah, and, and, and look, they were able to kind of make that adjustment too. And we talked about that earlier. So it's, it's sort of one of those things where you kind of, you know, okay, you know what you, you give the the Celtics credit for staying, you know, staying with the warriors, you know, being able to kind of, you know, make those defensive adjustments, you know, go attacking attack the pick and roll and such. But I think if you're the warriors you need to sort of try to force the outside more. And I think mm-hmm. try to, you know, have Draymond be right there in the interior, have other guys, your one of your big guys be right there, you know, have Wiggins try to be a little bit more of a force in the interior. You know, try, you know, Looney. I mean, look, we've seen him do it a couple of times in the playoffs, try to force him yeah. more into the interior. So I think the interior don't depend on the three too much because we've seen what happens in the Warriors depend on the three a little bit too much. I mean, yeah, they shot mm-hmm. 42%, but they still lost. You know, take those threes, you know, try to maybe get more interior, get more layups, try to get, you know, a little, you know, go at to the top of the key and such. So I think that's sort of like the thing with, with the, the Warriors now. I think the Celtics, again, will experience kind of get back and I think this is sort of the thing. I think look, Dallas, and we have, we saw it with the Dallasers, it was the experience, mm-hmm. and also with Memphis too, it was the experience that kind of you know propelled the Warriors. So yeah, okay, yeah, look, the Celtics, okay, yeah, yeah, shot, it got hot in the fourth, and you were able to you know to win it in game one. But again, this is going to be where the experience comes in. So you wonder, like, if you're the Warriors, play on that experience, and then you can kind of get back into the series. I'm not freaking out right now, and I don't think Warriors fans shouldn't either, because of the fact that look, it's the best of seven. You get the extra day off between games, with a you know, and such. So you get a little bit of time to rest and sort of set things up. And and look, I think I think that, that Clay's going to step it up in game two. I think you know Draymond's going to step up a little bit more in game two, and. Again, you don't want to be careful because you don't want to flip the switch, and because that could kind of come back and bite you in the butt. We saw that what happened with Phoenix. So mm-hmm. if you're, you know, the Warriors, you could try to try to play very carefully. And I'm not worried about them. I, the, I think the Warriors will be just fine. I think they're going to end up tied in games uh, game two Sunday.
1: Yeah, after the Warriors scored, uh, outscored Boston 38 to 24 in the third quarter. Boston, as I mentioned at the top of the shot outscored Golden State 40 to 16 to uh, bring home the. 122 and one-away victory. Derek White, as we talked about before, Lakini in the playoffs, you need an unsung hero to save the day. Jason Tatum uh, didn't have his best game shooting-wise. He was a distributor. He had he led the team with 13 assists, but it was Derek White who had picked up for the San Antonio Spurs at the trade-down line. In 32 minutes of action, he had 21 points, including five of eight shooting from downtown. If you notice Lakini, if you paid attention to the broadcast last night from ABC, uh, Marcus Smart. Uh, started the fourth quarter on the bench. And I thought that was a smart move by Emike Udoka, the head coach of the Celtics. Derek White had the hot hand. He gave them a spark off the bench. I know they don't play uh, that many guys off off the bench outside of him and, and Grant Williams, the backup backup guard. And Pritchard saw a little bit of action here and there, but he didn't make that much of a difference last night. But it was Derek White that carried the scoring load off the bench, especially in that fourth quarter last night. Marcus Smart, uh, came in to close the game for the Celtics. I thought that was a smart move last night. I think that was the key for me, That uh, one of the reasons why the Boston got back in the game in the fourth quarter.
0: And like I said before, I mean, look, we're, we're going to see every you know game, every finals game, there's going to be those unsung heroes, those guys that come out of nowhere. I remember Derek White when he played at Colorado. He was a mm-hmm. uh, second-team all pac 12. So, you know, look, the guy can play. And look, you, but mm-hmm. if you're the Warriors, too, you don't want, like, a Derek White who was a middle second rounder to beat you? You don't want to have that happen. And like we've seen it happen in the finals, especially. So we've seen yeah. guys that kind of come out of nowhere and be kind of like the unsung hero and such, you know, in the pivotal game. Now, look, the game one is okay. Yeah, you can't lose a series game one, but you can, you know, mm-hmm. definitely, you can try to win it. So, but you can lose it too. So, but I'm not, like I said, I think it's sort of one of those things where, look, you know, Williams. You know, he wasn't very good. You know, Tatum didn't have his best outing, but yeah, you had other guys step up. Now, as far as the Warriors are concerned, I mean you had, you know, Steph, Steph could have done more. He had that 34, but you can tell he kind of ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. I know uh Klay Thompson, you know, didn't have his best game, like I said before in the playoffs. Draymond needs to step it up as well. Uh Looney needs to step it up too, sort of use that force in the interior, like I've been saying. Say there was some of the guys on the bench. You, you got Iggy, this is his first rodeo. I mean, Kaminga. You know, and also to Otto Porter Jr. actually was good. Jordan Poole, he was the only really
1: consistent one off that bench last night. Yeah. Otto Porter Jr. Yeah, but Jordan Poole didn't do anything. Uh, uh, looking at Otto Porter Jr., I said, well, Look what the Bulls had a few years ago, even though it was under a different regime. But uh, Otto Porter Jr., he was hot from three point lane last night, four or five to be exact. Uh, he really covered up for that lack of production when the other guys coming off that bench for the Warriors. You mentioned Andre Igu- Iguodala. he was three for four, but. Uh, you could tell his age has really caught out to him. And I know he's been off and on injured all year, but Otto Porter Jr. was only was was the man coming off the bench for the Warriors, as you mentioned. Jordan Poole, Poole struggled from from the field, but Otto Porter Jr. was a lightning rod, especially uh, in that second quarter when the Warriors were still trying to uh, extend their lead.
0: Yeah, they were, and I think, but again, I think you know Poole struggled. I think if had Poole had gotten it going, maybe we would be having a different conversation right now. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe look, if certain parameters were different and certain things were different, I think maybe we could be having a different have a different conversation right now. I feel like if 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 Poole had, you know, been like the Jordan Poole we've mm-hmm. seen during these playoffs, if he had scored like 20 points, this will really wouldn't be an issue. Or if the Warriors would have won the close one. Same thing with Clay Thompson. I mean, again, you know, didn't have his best game in the playoffs so far. More the guys from the uh, the Warriors press need to step up. And then try to wear it down the Celtics because, like you said, mm-hmm. they don't really play that many guys. I mean, you know, Grant Williams wasn't really that big of a factor either. You know, Ty's wasn't a, a huge factor, so it, it's sort of one of those things where you got the the most depth. You know, if you're the Warriors, try to wear mm-hmm. that out, wear out the Celtics because, and like I said, you know, is going to probably going to wear those guys down. And I and I want to and I have a bone to pick with whoever brought up the fact that yeah, yeah, he interviewed for the uh, the Bulls job. Okay, he did. It's not. A, it wasn't a secret, and so. <laughs> what well, what what was the point of bringing that up? I mean, okay, no one thought that you know they took advantage of some of the you know, the injury issues and such. You know the you know the Bucks, I like think, were just ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. You know the Sixers just were shorthanded, and the Nets, you know, weren't really you know, at full strength either. So again, they took advantage of that. So, I mean, like I don't know what else. What was the point of bringing that up? But <laughs> whatever. But uh, it, I, again, look. I mean. Like I said, I think right now again we'll get into this when we we'll talk to Rick in a couple of minutes. But I, I feel like this is sort of one of those series where you sort of say to yourself, "Okay, you won. Okay, game one. All right, let's go on to game. You know, game two on Sunday. It's not. You know, to me, you really can't make any you know, declarations after one game. You can't. And if you do, then you're you haven't watched basketball for a minute."
1: As we say, as the old saying goes, LaQuina, uh, when the road series take uh, a team on the road takes a game, uh, it becomes a series. I thought that last night as well that it was a filling out period, LaQuina, and you know playoffs are about matchups and adjustments. And going to say, it's going to have to make some adjustments for game two, which I believe they will as well. It's going to be a long series. If people think that is going to sweep uh, Golden State, I don't see it. I don't see it. We all we know that Golden State is not going to win four four in a row over Boston should they win on Sunday. I don't think that's going to happen even either, even though they're a good team. But it was a filling-out process last night, and it's going to be a long, uh, drawn-out series. So uh, people get ready. It's going to be some competitive basketball. If you're a Boston Celtics fan, you have to worry about Jason Tatum. He didn't have his best shooting night last night. Although he was a very good distributor, he found other ways to uh, be involved you worry if you're a Boston Celtics fan, you worry that Jason Tatum is going to break out of his scoring slump on Sunday, but the other guys are going to struggle. We all know that Boston uh, goes through these laws of not scoring the basketball. We saw that in the last series against Miami. And so you, and you fear that it's going to come up again on Sunday and, and the narrative would be, oh, they were just happy to get game one and uh, they just lollygag around game two.
0: Yeah. I don't see that happening either. Like I said, I think, Look, I have the Warriors in seven. I'm, I'm already, I may mean, already made it clear on Twitter. So, yeah, I got the Warriors in seven. This is going to end up being a long, you know, series. And then, look, there might be some, you know, drawing out. You may have a guy, a guy, a guy that comes out of nowhere that ends up like, making a difference in a pivotal game five, or, you know, mm-hmm. or game four, or whatever, however the series series is by that point. So, again you know, no proclamations here. I know people are already like free. Oh, well, well, Celtics in the six or whatever. I mean, it, it, look, if you want to do that, fine. But, you know, look, this is one of those games where you're kind of like, okay, okay, you know, what's next? That that That's it.
1: What's next on Second City Sports on Sports Sports on Chicago is good friend of the show from SB Nation, Ricky O'Donnell, will join us to break down last night's Game One between the Celtics and the Warriors, and preview Sunday's Game Two action, along with giving us his thoughts about the future of the Chicago Bulls, in particular Zach Levine. All that and much more after this. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Friday edition,
2: right here on Sports Zone Chicago. AutomotiveMap.com presents the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 and 31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from CJ McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrinckit had the shootout winner, Colin Delia made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. Dance the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago.
3: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me.
4: Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Barn and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.
1: Welcome back to Second City Sports, the Friday edition, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. We're live and live in color, along with Miss Lakin McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, it's SidKid80, that's SIDKid80. That's SIDKid80. You
0: can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kenoscombe McGee on the IG. If you have
1: questions or a comment for our next guest, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions and comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Our next guest, we haven't had him on in almost a full calendar year, but who's counting Lakina? Uh, he's one of the best basketball writers out there. He's from SB Nation. You can follow him on SBN underscore Ricky on Twitter. Once again, at SBN underscore Ricky on Twitter. Here is the one, the only Mr. Ricky, O'Donnell. Ricky. Welcome back to the show. How are you, my man
0: thanks for having me friends
1: I'm
5: good (laughs) how's it going Ricky thanks for joining good thanks for having me can you hear me yeah we got you You yeah yeah have enjoyed the NBA playoffs so far I think to a certain extent they've been marred by injuries but it really does feel like we have the two best teams in the league still standing in the NBA finals and wow what a game that was last night I thought game one was so entertaining from a fan's perspective And if we get, you know, six more like that, uh, basketball fans will be pretty lucky because that was some great action.
1: Yeah, we couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I was going to ask you uh, before we break down game one, what was your initial thoughts? Uh, Were you surprised that Boston was able to go in there and still game one or or on the flip side for the Warriors? uh, uh, They started off hot, but in my opinion, it was the second and fourth quarters that did the men. What say you?
5: Yeah, I thought coming into the series, Golden State was the favorite. My initial pick was Golden State in six. The more research I did into the series, though, the more I thought that the Celtics matched up very well against them and would have an excellent chance to win the series. I think, you know, coming into game one, I really thought the series was like maybe 51% Warriors, 49% Celtics. I leaned Warriors for their championship experience for the fact that they just looked like the fresher, healthier team in the conference finals. But after three days off, I think Boston really flipped those narratives on their head. And I don't think anyone should be surprised that Boston was able to compete with the Warriors. uh, So much length, so much youth, so much physicality. They feel like a team that's just starting to like hit their peak. Whereas the Warriors, while still great, they're a little bit on the downslope of their careers at this point uh, with their core all now firmly entrenched in their thirties. So I expect it to be a great series. And man, after that game one, I'm thinking, you know, if NBA finals and NBA playoffs experience really does matter, we're going to see it from Golden State the rest of this series. Because to me, any other team, you get blown out like that in the fourth quarter, that would just be totally devastating and demoralizing. Golden State being there so many times, you would expect them to be a little bit more even keel in them to know, okay, it's just one game. We'll get them next time. But for anyone else, I mean, man, it would feel like the series is almost over when you get outscored 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter like that. So we'll see how it plays out. But I think it's going to be a great series.
0: Yeah, Ricky, uh, you know, Derek White has been a, a, a sort of an unsung hero for the Celtics in these playoffs. You know, do you think he could keep it up?
5: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's going to shoot like he did uh, every game last night. Five of eight from three. He was just knocking down shots that the Warriors were giving him, basically, so they could defend the rim. Derek White didn't miss. So is Derek White going to shoot five of eight from three every game? Absolutely not. I think that the Warriors or the Celtics, I'm sorry, certainly got several hot shooting performances from their role players. I think I read that the non-Tatum and Brown Celtics went like 30 for 45 or something from the field or something mm-hmm. like that. They were just on fire. Uh, but Derek White's really good. The one thing Derek White does that's going to travel every game is his screen navigation on defense. You saw it in the Miami series. Miami likes to you know, run those split actions and pin downs to try to get their shooters coming off screens. Derek White is able to stay attached to those shooters, get around those screens. The Warriors run a very similar offense where they're trying to get Clay and Poole and Steph coming off screens. And, you know, Derek White's great at that part of the game. I think anything he gives you offensively is sort of a bonus. Last night he was phenomenal, and they really won the game because White and Horford got hot from three. I don't know if that's going to happen every game, but Derek White's good because the defense is going to travel. That's always going to be there. And what a great move for the Celtics to pick him up at the trade deadline. While some organizations, like the Bulls, rested on their laurels, didn't make any changes at the trade deadline, the Celtics got a, a starter. They got, an, you know, maybe their fifth best starter, but still, they got another piece to the puzzle, in the rotation, a two-way player who gives you some defense, occasionally gives you some shooting. So Derek White's been awesome throughout the playoffs, and he was great last night.
1: We're talking NBA Finals with our buddy Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation right here on Sports on Chicago, live in Living Color. You're listening to Second City Sports. Sid Lakina here with you. Ricky, I want to stick with the Boston Celtics, of course, they're Colin Cardi's defense. That's how they got back in the game last night. And that's how they really stuck with it in that first half. You know, they tried to buy a couple of points. I want to ask you about their defense on Steph Curry. I noticed this last night. When Steph Curry had Jason Tatum or somebody else on him, that he used a, a screening role in particular with Kavan Looting and Draymond Green and Steph Curry, and that was the reason why he got off, especially in, in that first quarter scoring 21 points. But he only scored 13 points the rest of the way. Didn't get to the free throw line to midway through that third quarter, and he sprained his ankle toward the end of that game last night. But when Marcus Smart was guarding Steph Curry, you could tell that Marcus Smart did not give him an inch, did not give him any room. Uh, the, to operate he, and Marcus an office a foul on Steph Curry toward the end of that first half last night. Talk about the Celtics defense on Steph Curry after the first quarter.
5: Yeah, so to me, like, it's easy to point to the matchups and say, oh, well, Smart's going to guard Curry. Uh, Wiggins is going to guard Tatum, whatever it is. But really, the way NBA defense is played today, it's very much like a team structure. The Celtics and the Warriors in particular do a lot of switching, but they don't switch everything. They'll do, like, you know, stay with their assignments for the first let's say, 18 seconds of the shot clock. They'll do some late switches, some late doubles. So it's very much like a team structure, more than just like mono-a-mono type of defensive matchups. (laughs) What I noticed about the defensive scheme on Steph later in the game is that in the first quarter, they were playing drop defense, which is basically when the screen and roll comes, the big man drops back and tries to take away the layup, tries to take away, you know, any rim attack. Well, Steph Curry, you can't play drop against Steph Curry. I'm not a basketball (laughs) coach, but I'm smart Mm -hmm. enough to tell you that. Steph Curry's Mm going to see that daylight between him and the three-point line. He's going to pull up, and he's going to hit shots. You saw that in the first quarter last night, hit six threes. The Celtics were playing way too deep against Steph. They are trying to take away the layup, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, you got to guard against the three-point line when you're playing Steph Curry. Come on, guys. He's the greatest three-point shooter ever. So what do the Celtics do as the game goes on? They start playing their big men more towards the level of the screen, Now, Steph doesn't have room to rise and fire from three. I think Steph only made one three-pointer after the first quarter last night. And the Warriors, or I'm sorry, the Celtics just have so much length on the perimeter. So someone like Robert Williams, Al Horford, those are big guys. It's hard to shoot over the top of them when you're a 6'3 guard like Curry. They're sort of closing that space that Curry had in the beginning of the game. Uh, Now, you know, the adjustment Curry could make is, all right, I'm going to see this slower guy in front of me. I'm (coughs) going to burn him to the basket, try to get the layup. Easier said than done, though, because you got those backline Celtics defenders rotating as well. So to me, really good adjustment by Ime Udoka, who has been phenomenal in his first year as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Uh, I think that the Celtics' defensive game plan is very sharp, and the NBA playoffs is all about adjustments. The Celtics were in drop coverage to start the game. It wasn't working. Curry was going off. They made an adjustment. They said, we're not going to let Curry be able to step into those threes. Pretty sensible game plan, if you ask me. And really, that was a, a big key to the Celtics' comeback.
0: And also, too, I mean, who else has to step up some of the you know, the role players from the Warriors? I mean, Draymond, you know, struggled, you know, from, you know only had four points. Then, you know, Looney was basically a non-factor. Poole didn't have his best game of the playoffs so far. Who among the role players, the Warriors, had need to step up to kind of keep it? It's just a case if Steph does, is still a bit banged up with that ankle.
5: Yeah, what's funny is it looked like Otto Porter last night, right? I think Otto Porter mm-hmm. went four or five from three. We're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know that one team is going to have to have a role player step up every single game if they're going to win. These two teams are like too evenly matched for it to really be a battle of the stars. It oftentimes is going to come down to the role players. And last night, it looked like it was going to be Otto Porter. I thought he looked great to start the game, but he fell asleep a little bit defensively, especially in the fourth quarter when the Celtics went on that big 17-0 run uh, late in the fourth. So when you look at the rest of the Warriors, who needs to step up? I mean, anyone, really. Like, I'm going to start with Jordan Poole. I thought Jordan Poole looked totally overmatched in game one. Uh, Poole has been awesome this season for the Warriors. He's really given them an an injection of youth, quickness, athleticism, shooting. But man, he got rattled last night by the Celtics Mm -hmm. defense. He looks like he had never seen that type of length and physicality on the perimeter before. He was horrible on both ends. He's a really poor defender as it is, but he's a great offensive player. So I thought one of the big questions of the series was like, can Poole stay on the floor? Or will the Celtics just target him defensively? Uh, and, you know, try to play him off the floor, get him off the court because he's surrendering too many points. I thought last night was a terrible pool game, and if the Celtics are going to win this series, pool needs to be better. And then, like, Clay played a decent game last night, right? What do you have, 15 points, 6 of 14 Uh shooting? But Uh what I noticed is, like, Clay can't create his own shot against this Boston defense. Jalen Brown put the clamps on him several different times. Yeah. To me, you got to try to get Clay going off the ball. You do not want Clay trying to create off the dribble. That's not Clay's <laughs> strong suit. Uh-uh. So they got to try to get him some daylight on catch and shoots, coming off movement, squared up towards the basket. I don't think you could just give him the ball and be like, hey, Clay, go like create something off the dribble. That's not his game, like I said. Uh, and so you know, the Warriors are gonna have to do something. And even Draymond, like two of 12 from the field last night. Come on, Draymond, like. He needs to be an offensive threat and we know he's not really a shooter, but he cannot be a total zero on offense if the Warriors are going to win this series. So the question of which role player needs to step up, it's going to need to be any of them really in every game. Both teams are going to need the role players to step up. What happens last night, Derek White, Al Horford, those are Boston's role players. They were incredible. And Boston won the game largely because of that. While Jason Tatum shot three of 17 from the field, uh, to lose a game when Tatum shoots 3 of 17. I think that is devastating for the Warriors personally. And you know, if they come back from this, that'll be that'll be an accomplishment, but Golden State's going to need their role players to step up, that's for sure.
1: Let's go back to Boston, Ricky. You mentioned him. He was going to be my next uh, question for you, and that was Al Horford, the ageless one. It seems like to me he's found the found the youth ever since he was reacquired from uh, from OKC a couple of years ago. He had 26 last night, including six of eight shooting from downtown. It seems that. Uh, going by uh, logic and common sense that Al is not going to shoot six six of eight from three-point land again. But uh, how much do you think that he has left? Because uh, he is the number one player in the league to play in the most games without appearing in the NBA Finals. Of course, that was broken last night. Well, how much do you think he has left in the tank?
5: I mean, he's been amazing all playoffs. That was not like a flash-in-the-pan style game. I think for the playoffs, he's shooting like 45% from three or maybe even higher than that. So, of course, Horford is not typically like a sniper from deep, but he's caught fire at the right time. And, you know, that's something that players work on when they get older. I think Horford turns, what, 36 or 37 today. Uh, Mm -hmm. Today's his birthday. So he's at the twilight of his career for sure. But, you know, when you start to lose a little bit of the quickness, the athleticism, how do you compensate? You become better as a shooter. And I think a lot of guys throughout NBA history have done that. Russell Westbrook, for some reason, is not able to improve as a shooter as he gets older. (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm, mm Tell
5: LeBron
1: James that. (laughs) But
5: but someone like Al Horford's done it. So Mm -hmm. it's wild, man. I feel like, you know, if you're a basketball fan of a certain age, I'm about Al Horford's age. We've been watching this guy. For like 20 years, right? Like at Florida, winning two national championships with Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, Torian Green. I mean, that was like a lifetime ago, it seems like. Joe Kim Noah probably maybe had a better peak than Horford when Noah was in his prime. But Horford's longevity has just been incredible. And, uh, you know, definitely credit Horford for his game being able to adapt to the modern NBA, right? Like when Horford Uh came in to the league, There was no one expected Al Horford to shoot threes. You know what I mean? Like he was probably a post-scorer when he came into the league in 07 or Mm -hmm. whatever it was. So to see him adapt his game and to become just so versatile to keep himself in great shape. I mean, he still looks great physically, right? Like everyone on the timeline yesterday is talking about how great Horford looks. And I think that, you know, this is no fluke for him. Like he's kept himself in great shape. He's improved as a shooter as he's gotten older. And what a move. What a move for Boston. They traded Kemba Walker, who last year in the playoffs couldn't do anything on a bum knee. They trade him to Oklahoma City for Horford. Horford didn't play at all last year. Basically got a full 12 months to rest and recover. And just unbelievable what Horford's been able to do. If he does it three more games, the Celtics are going to be world champions. And Horford plays a huge role in it.
0: How much will death be an issue uh, for both teams? I mean, we know the Warriors can go a good, you know, maybe 10 or 11 deep. I know that, you know, the Celtics can probably go a little bit deeper too, but they just don't get a lot of contributions. You know, I know Grant Wilson didn't have his best game last night. So among like sort of the bench players, you know, among the death, who has the advantage?
5: Yeah. Interesting question. They both basically played eight guys in the last game. If I'm the Warriors, I'm shorting that rotation. Andre Iguodala, I don't see how you can play him again. Like, he did hit a big three at the end of that third quarter, but, like, that was brutal. It gives Robert Williams somewhere to hide on where Williams can then roam off Iguodala and be able to, like, defend multiple assignments. So if I'm the Warriors, Iguodala's out of the rotation. I'm sorry, you just can't have someone who hasn't played the entire playoffs and who's, well, he's got to be, like, 37, 38 years old, whatever he is. He was a great player in his prime. Andre, I don't think so anymore. What I'm really interested in is what happens with Gary Payton II. I believe GP2 was active for game one. They chose not to play him. Yeah. They could really use his on-ball defense against these Boston Wings. To me, that's a, that's a big card Steve Kirk can play. Now, he's coming back from a terrible injury. I think, what, do you have a fractured elbow maybe or yep. something like that? Yeah. So, yeah. Tough injury to come back from on such a short timeline. But if you can get GP2 in the rotation, take out Iggy, I think that that is a big benefit for the Warriors. But, you know, when you look at the depth, like, probably Boston's got maybe the two best bench guys because Derek White and Grant Williams can just play in this type of series. Can Jordan Poole play in this type of series? I know that Poole's a great regular season player. But like Draymond once said, there's 82 game players and there's 16 game players. And I trust... Derek White and Grant Williams because they play both ends of the floor more so than Poole who's just like this electric shifty scorer but he's horrible on defense so they're just going to target him every time try to get him off the floor. Uh, I'm kind of liking the Celtics depth now especially those top two guys off the bench.
1: We're talking NBA Finals Bulls conversation coming up with our buddy Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation right here on Second City Sports Live and live in Living Color or Zone, Chicago. Sid in here with you Ricky Robert Williams, uh, he's been off and on with injuries throughout the second half of the season in the playoffs, but the Boston Celtics had six total blocks last night. Williams had four of them. Talk about the interior defense of the Boston Celtics. They clearly had the advantage last night, and the Golden State Warriors didn't, especially with Draymond Green being in foul trouble.
5: Yeah, I thought Robert Williams looked awesome. His health was (laughs) going to be a big swing factor coming into this series. And that dude, I mean, he is just a freak. 7'6", wingspan, extreme athleticism. You know, you can't, you can't teach the tools that Robert Williams has as a basketball player. I was wondered, wondering how healthy he would be coming into this series because, of course, he tore his meniscus, I think, at the end of the regular season. Rushed back, and then, like, throughout the playoffs, he was basically like, play one, miss one, play one, miss one. He was awesome last night. I mean, four blocks. He was detonating shots at the rim. He changed so many other shots that didn't show up in the box scores. blocks, just with the threat of his leaping, his length, and his rim protection. So to me, Robert Williams is a major factor for the Celtics. He's a big reason why that defense is so good. I mean, he just gives them, like, a level of, like, oomph in just like extreme athleticism that you're just not going to get from grant Williams and Al Horford who are like pretty gravity bound players, right? Like those guys aren't soaring above the rim to change any shots, but Robert Williams just has these ridiculous hops and this crazy length. He's a game changer. The warriors certainly don't have anyone like Robert Williams on their team. It was supposed to be James Wiseman, the number two overall pick in the 2020 draft took him ahead of Lamelo Ball. ball. Uh, he hasn't played the whole season. You know, and so, like, I think the Warriors want Wiseman to be their Robert Williams. Hasn't worked out for him for the first two years of his career. Looks like a pretty bad draft pick now. Of course, James Wiseman's, like, 21 or 22 years old. He's got plenty of time to write his career. But that's the type of player Golden State thought they were drafting when they took Wiseman. And Robert Williams has been that guy for the Celtics. He's a big part of their success.
0: Let's switch gears and talk bulls for a second, Ricky. The Zach Levine rulers are kind of kicking into gear. We've heard you know various rumors, Antonio, Dallas. Um, I even saw one you know about Atlanta. So <laughs> I know that yeah, I know right. But uh, so what what are your? I know you don't like doing like predictions or spec or you know, a lot of speculation. But what 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 are your thoughts on what the Zach's going to do in free agency?
5: Oh, I love reckless reckless speculation. So let's do it. <laughs> I'm not worried about Zach leaving. I'm not. I might be wrong about this, but the fact of the matter is the Bulls can offer him the most money. The Bulls can offer him a fifth year. He's going to have to take a pretty significant financial haircut to leave the Bulls. The only question is, will Bulls' ownership offer him the full boat contract, which they absolutely should, in my opinion? There's no way for the Bulls to get anyone better than Zach Levine if he leaves. And when you look at this free agency class, it's a pretty loaded free agency class. James Harden, Kyrie Irving... Bradley Beal, potentially all in the class. DeAndre Ayton, Miles Bridges. In my opinion, the best free agent is Zach Levine because a lot of those veterans are kind of past their prime. Levine, this contract will cover him, I think, for age 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. Like, those are your prime years as an NBA player. So, to me, Levine's worth the money. The Bulls have to give him everything he wants. And, like, there is a cap to what Levine can ask for. So the Bulls got to give him a max contract. If Levine wants like a four plus one with a player option, sure. Give it to him, whatever he wants. If the Bulls offer it, I don't see any scenario where Levine is leaving. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I think Rich Paul is a great agent. And I think that he's playing this free agency the way he should be. Since, you know, Zach Levine's his client. Levine wants to put all the pressure on the Bulls to make sure he gets the full boat max contract offer Bulls got to give it to him as long as the Bulls offer it to him I think Levine's coming back but we'll see how it plays out certainly there's been a lot of smoke about it over the last couple weeks I didn't really think it would even get to this level of smoke but you know that's the game the game within the game is that leverage play you know the idea of Levine being able to choose his destiny for the first time in his career where he wants to go as a free agent so he's earned the right to be wined and dined I don't you know begrudge him for wanting to take meetings with other teams seeing what else is out there but the bulls can offer him the most money and the biggest opportunity so i think he's coming back to the bulls
1: uh riding down the home stretcher with our guy ricky o'donnell from sb nation right here on second city sports we're live in living color for our friday edition sid Lakin here with you staying with the bulls ricky uh assuming that zach levine comes back and assuming that most of the rosters a majority of the, the core of the roster stays intact in your view, what do the Bulls need uh, to become uh, championship contenders next season? Uh, what are their offseason needs, in your view?
5: Depth. Depth is the oh, big yeah. thing. I mean, last year the Bulls uh, basically totally remade the starting lineup. Now they got a chance to see what the team looks like on the floor. Before it was all, like, theoretical. It was all in Arteris Karnaschovas and Mark Evergesley's heads. Now we saw the team. The team was too small, and they couldn't shoot. So I need some size, and I need some shooting on the Bulls. Now, obviously, most teams in the NBA want size and shooting. So it's hard to get those things. Mm -hmm. But if I'm the Bulls, that's what I'm targeting with the 18th pick in the draft. That's what I'm targeting in free agency. And the Bulls, even as an over-the-cap team, they will have the mid-level exception to work with. Last year, they used the mid-level exception to sign Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso was a very impactful player for them. So let's find another Alex Caruso type. Hopefully this time a frontcourt guy who can shoot a little bit better. But that's what they need, in my opinion, size and shooting. It sounds easy to say, right? But mm-hmm. it's harder to actually land in the NBA given what they have. But, you know, give me a big man who can shoot in free agency. Give me a forward or a wing who can shoot with that number 18 pick. They did pretty good with Io. Hopefully Io takes a step up. Hopefully Pat Will takes a step up. And to me, those are the two areas they need. They need some beef. They need some shooting.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. What any particular names that you, that you want the Bulls to go after?
5: So I'm the draft guy. So I'm going to give you some, uh, some draft names. EJ Liddell, a local kid from downstate. Mm-hmm. I think he's from Belleville, Illinois. Yeah. I'm not, yep. I'm not yeah. too familiar with yep. downstate Illinois, but yeah, EJ yeah. E. Liddell, Ohio state three-year player, former Illinois, Mr. Basketball. Mm-hmm. monster, 6'7", 240, great leaping ability, not super quick. And I've always wondered, the thing about Liddell is like, does he have enough offense to make it in the NBA? Mm-hmm. I think defensively, he's going to be really good. He's going to be someone who's strong. You know, if you want an NBA comparison for him, how about Grant Williams as another little bit <laughs> undersized big man mm-hmm. who's strong, veteran college player. Now, what made Grant Williams so effective in the NBA is he learned to shoot three-pointers. EJ Liddell had... Big-time shooting improvement last season as a junior at Ohio State. Uh Obviously, if EJ Liddell is going to become a very good NBA role player, he's going to need to shoot it from deep. So as long as he can continue to improve as a shooter, I really like EJ Liddell. Like, I think that could be a solid veteran pick for the Bulls. Would sort of follow the Io pick, too, of like, all right, let's take a guy who was really good in the Big Ten for three years, another local kid. To me, he should get serious consideration with the 18th pick couple other names i like how about another local kid i'm writing a feature on him right now it'll publish tuesday on espnation.com. patrick baldwin jr spent his junior ah. or spent his freshman season playing for his father at milwaukee mm-hmm. his dad was the assistant coach at northwestern he got hired at milwaukee so patrick baldwin seemed like he was going to go to loyola academy in the north suburbs of chicago he was going to be like the next great chicago area high school player his dad gets hired away by milwaukee in the horizon league this dude was a top-five recruit. He could have gone to Duke, started mm-hmm. at Duke on Coach K's final season. Yep. And instead, chose to play for his dad at Milwaukee, ended up getting hurt. It was a nightmare season for him. Uh-huh. Certainly looks like the wrong decision in hindsight. But the guy is 6'10 and, and a killer shooter. Now, he's a very poor athlete, and his numbers in college were horrible. It's like, dude, if you're a top-five recruit, you're playing in the Horizon League, you should dominate. And instead, he only played 12 games. His numbers were bad. The team was terrible. His dad got fired. It was just (laughs)
4: great.
5: Yeah. Well, why was this guy a top five recruit? It's because he's 6'10", and he's a sniper. Yep. Yep. So I still like Patrick Baldwin. Now, he is a bad athlete. He had, like, one of the lowest vertical jumps in the history of the NBA combine. He was, like, a half inch better than Nikola Vucevic, who we know Vuce can't really jump. So, (laughs) you know, I think you draft him for because he's tall and he can shoot. I'm saying they need size and shooting. Why not Patrick Baldwin? Well, does he pass the minimum threshold of NBA athleticism is the first question. And the second question is he's basically missed two years with an injured ankle now. Mm -hmm. So is this injured ankle going to be a long term thing? He's also 20 years old. So like he should have a long career in front of him, right? Like his body Mm -hmm. shouldn't be breaking down at 19 years old. So I like Patrick Baldwin as well. And the last name I'll give you is Tari Eason, a forward from LSU. Ah. He was at Cincinnati as a freshman, transferred to LSU, came off the bench, but led the team in scoring. An absolute buzzsaw defensively. I mean, Tari Eason grabs the ball from you on steals and blocks, runs to the other end, and just dunks the hell out of the ball every single time. He's one of the most aggressive players I've watched as someone who evaluates NBA draft prospects. He just rips the ball away from people and dunks the hell out of it. Now, his defense is going to be really awesome, I think. Six foot eight, 230, 220 pounds, 7'2 wingspan, super athletic, super quick, long. I'm thinking, like, this guy could play in the Celtics defense. He's long, he's athletic, he's switchable. I love his defensive potential. Offensively, he is so right-hand dominant. He has no left whatsoever. All he wants to do on offense is three dribbles and dunk it. Now he's super athletic, so he can blow by Mm -hmm. guys. And even like his size and athleticism will be, you know, not elite, but like very, very good at the NBA level. The question is the jump shot. And he had some strong shooting indicators at LSU. He hit 35% of his threes, 80% of his free throws. Usually those are pretty good shooting numbers, right? My issue though is that, you know, how Patrick Williams, when he gets the jump shot opportunity, he has like such a slow release and he's just not like a confident yeah. shooter. Mm-hmm. That's how Tari Eason is. It's a slow release. He's not a confident shooter. So the question is, can you develop Tari Eason as a shooter? If you can, he can be a monster. If you can't, is he someone who defenses just sort of ignore on the perimeter? So I actually love Tari Eason. I think he rocks. Uh, you know, you can't teach what he can do well and you can teach shooters so those are three names i think any of them would be good they're all big they all have some sort of shooting projection they all should be able to defend baldwin would be the weakest defender but the strongest shooter the other two guys would be strong defenders but weaker shooters so those are three names that i like in the draft at 18 and then i don't know if you're thinking about free agency how about chris boucher toronto raptors big man very skinny but skilled he can shoot it long block shots I'm thinking those are the type of guys the Bulls really need in free agency. So those are a couple names off the top of my head.
1: All right, last question from me, Ricky, uh, regarding the NBA all season. Uh, uh, it looks like we may expect – we do expect some activity. How much, we don't know. I'll spare you the Lakers headache even though they just hired Darvin Hamm as a head mm-hmm. coach. I'll go to the Utah Jazz. Danny H is running the show now speaking of a, another former Boston Celtic great uh can we finally say that that relationship between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell will come to an end that rumor's been out there for so long I'm just sick of hearing it do you think that one of them will, will be uh, uh will be gone by the time next season starts
5: likely yes I can't say with any confidence that I know it's going to happen but yeah I think you know Things run their course. And when you lose in the first round or second round, like four years in a row, I think they made the conference finals last year, right? And they lost to or no, they lost in the second round to the Clippers without Kawhi.
1: Mm -hmm.
5: Like if you're Uh losing to the Clippers without Kawhi, might be time to try something new, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it didn't get any better this year. And I think it's time to break it up for them. I don't know what's gonna happen, but if I if I had to make a guess, I think Mitchell or Gobert leaves. My guess would be Gobert. They try to hold on to Mitchell. Now, the smarter move might be to just try to get a king's ransom for Mitchell.
4: Uh
5: Is Mitchell really going to sign another contract with the Jazz? He's under contract for three more years. But, like, no way is he staying in Utah his entire career, right? Uh So maybe they should move Mitchell. Be like, give me all the young players, all the picks. You'd really have leverage in that deal. What can they get for Gobert? I don't know. We'll see. Gobert's awesome, obviously. But he's also limited in some ways, Mm -hmm. especially offensively. So I think Gobert's probably out. And yeah, I would expect the Jazz to break up that duo.
0: You can check out his stuff on SBNation.com. Ricky, where can people find you on the social media?
5: I'm uh, Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. And yeah, all my writing at SBNation.com.
0: All right, Ricky, we're definitely going to be doing this again soon to talk mm-hmm. hoops and such. We'll probably, we'll maybe try to get you on, maybe, you know, we close, it gets close to the NBA draft. We'll see what the, the Bulls do. We'll see how the finals, you know, well, who do you have in the finals real quick?
5: Well, my original prediction was Warriors in six, and now I feel like the Celtics are going to win. So I don't know. My predictions have been really bad the entire season. I guess I'll still mm-hmm. stick with the Warriors in seven, I guess, but, you know, I don't feel good about it. Like the Celtics were awesome last night to me. If you're on the other side of that comeback, it's like, how how do you possibly shake that off? But that's why they're the Warriors. Six finals appearances in eight years. They should have the know-how to do it. I guess I'll stick with the Warriors, but what a win for the Celtics last night.
0: You get the extra right. to do it too, so they'll it, be okay. Uh, thanks, Ricky, for joining us, and uh, we definitely got to do this again soon. Thanks.
1: Right. night. That was once again Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation. You can check him out on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. You can go to SBNation.com, search for NBA. You can check out his articles there. Hour number one in the books, hour number two straight ahead with baseball, sports media news, Stanley Cup playoffs, and a whole lot more. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Friday edition, right here, live in the 11 color on Sports Zone Chicago.
2: AutomotiveMap.com presents the sports flash on the Sports Zone, Chicago. NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight, 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 and with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrynkit had the shootout winner. Colin Delia. and made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5-4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9-6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the Score app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. Dance the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago.
3: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me.
4: Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar & Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome back to Avenue number Two,
1: a Second City Sports Rear Live In a Living Color on a Friday, right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakimia Gee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your surely on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80.
0: You follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Score McGee on the IG. So we got a lot to talk about this hour. So let's get right to it and talk some diamond and, uh, uh, you know, some baseball. We'll start with the White Sox. Unfortunately, the White Sox get swept in Toronto and uh, has some opportunities to kind of like at least sort of split the series, but uh, they weren't able to do it. And uh seems there seems to be things are kind of starting to, I don't want to say they're unraveling, but it seems, or the wheels are falling off, but at least right now at at this point, you know, we're in June and this sort of one of those things where you got to get things going. If you're the white Sox, can they, you know, get it together?
1: Well, as we said before, Lakina, throughout this season, they're saving graces there in the American league central and the Minnesota twins, which we'll dive deeper into that in just a minute. They lost four out of five at Detroit earlier this week. One thing, the White Sox are in the American League Central, so they still have time to get it together, but time is going to start to run out soon. And so that's one factor. The other factor is, as we talked about as well, their starting pitching uh, has kept them uh, around 500. I know they're three games under as of this broadcast, but if it wasn't where they started pitching, things would be worse right now. And I know that the Sox are trying to hold it together because with the injury to Tim Anderson, he's placed on a 10-day IL, but he's going to miss a couple more weeks uh, afterwards, so he may not return till later this month. So what the, Tim Anderson has been uh the catalyst for this team, both on and off the field. But on the field, he's one of the league leaders at hitting in the American League. Of course, he causes havoc on the base pass and so you're going to miss that. And you saw Tony Larusa have Yasmani Grandal in that first game against Toronto as a leadoff hitter. Yasmani Grandal has been a big disappointment this year. In the second game, he had AJ Pollock. uh uh, as a leadoff guy he had he had the home run in that second game uh yesterday he had leary not larry garcia (laughs) leading off you think he'll be a typical leadoff hitter but he didn't do as well yesterday so uh the white Sox are really going through it right now you can tell tim anderson is their mvp of this office, we know that we talked about the office all year long, looking at uh, having their struggles at times, and we saw that this week against a better team in Toronto. Now, am I going to punt on the season that the White Sox are not going to make the playoffs? No, I'm not, because like I said before, they're in the American League Central, but the White Sox are—they're gonna, going to have to string together a, a bunch of wins in a row just to overtake Minnesota in the Central. Are is Minnesota going to run away with this thing? No, but. Uh, the White Sox just got to worry about their own business and string some wins to get together, just for a confidence standpoint.
0: Well, and the Blue Jays have now won eight in a row, too, thanks to that sweep against the White Sox yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now you also have to deal with Cleveland, too. Yeah, they, yeah, I know they swept, you know, Kansas City, but even still, mm-hmm. they did what they're supposed to do. They won all three of those games against mm-hmm. the Royals. So you know, we'll see. You know, you still got the Guardians now to contend with as well. I mean, where the scoring position has been the issue for the White Sox? Yes. Okay, they've left guys on base. You know, there were a couple of times in that series against Baltimore where they left guys, you know, base is loaded. So that's another issue. Is that, you know, with note Tim Anderson and with other guys and such? Now again, yeah, you know, the AL Central, yeah, it's not the best division. That's the only one, you know, saving grace for the White Sox. But now you're going into June. You're kind of going further and further. You know, you're only about, we're still only about a third into the season. We're not even halfway into the season yet. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. only about like maybe like a third into the season right now. But, you know, June is sort of that time where you can kind of, you know, things need to kind of get going. You need to kind of get it together. Yes, you can blame the injuries and such, but, you know, the inconsistent, you know, middle relief, not being able to score, take advantage of guys in scoring position, that can come back and bite Mm -hmm. you in the butt. So if you're the White Sox, you better get it together because if not – you got the the, the twins. I don't think they're going to win it. But if the Guardians get hot too, they might, you know, kind of take control of that division too. So that's two teas. Yeah, and Detroit. I know Detroit's not going to be an issue, but you may have Detroit may have something to say about who ends up winning the AL Central mm-hmm. division. So you better kind of get together, you're the White Sox.
1: And a, a couple of rays of hope. If you're a White Sox fan, Jose Abreu, he, he had another home run in the series against Toronto. He's starting to turn it around in, in the last couple of weeks. As I mentioned, A.J. Pollock, he had a home run in that second game of that series against Toronto. Uh, he's going to get some extended playing time now. So let's see if he's his bat is finally starting to wake up. So uh, uh, there are some positive signs for the White Sox. They just got to uh, create some more opportunities on the base pass, create some runs, and and go on from there because they got to support their starting pitching. Uh, it, uh, they started pitching, as we mentioned, has been their saving grace now. I know Michael Kopech got roughed up on Wednesday. Uh, it was his first start in 10 days uh, due to the off days that White Sox had recently had. But I think Michael Kopech is still going to be okay. G- Lucas Leo didn't pitch that badly. He just left a couple pitches up in his own. The Sox could have won that game. And Johnny Cueto, I was there uh, last Saturday night against the Cubs. Uh, uh, he didn't do all that great, but uh, uh, he kept the Sox in it long enough. As, as we said, Laquina, the Sox problem is they can get him on, but they can't get him across home plate. That's a I'll check of the game. It seems so simple, but the White Sox can't do it, and that was the uh, same scenario, in a sense, yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's been sort of like the thing. And yeah, you could probably say, yeah, you know, they left some pitches hanging. Yes, you I, I did see a couple of those uh, Toronto games. You know, they had look, the, you know, they had their chance to beat Toronto. could I mean, maybe not to so win all three, but they they had their chance mm-hmm, to at least mm-hmm. win, take the series, but they couldn't do it. So it is what it is for the White Sox for right now. And I think if you're I like I said, I don't think you should freak out yet if you're the White House fans. But as we get closer and closer going into June, you're facing the Rays in Tampa. Mm-hmm. That's going to be another tough series. They've been hot as well, so you're going to have to, you know, buckle down and try to perhaps maybe get yourself back into, you know, in this division. So we're just to see what they do here. They won. They've won a couple of the. They won their series, so. It's going to be tough. It doesn't take it any easier for the white side, especially if they're not being at full strength. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what they do here. Now going to the north side here, the Cubs have won three in a row, including a, they won one a good one last night, in you know, at Wrigley against Milwaukee. The young guys are stepping up for the Cubs, Sid.
1: Yeah, Keegan Thompson has been st- uh, st- stepping up to the plate as far as uh, starting pitching is concerned. Kyle Hendricks has been so-so. Marcus Stroman, I was at the game last Sunday against the Cubs. Uh, against the white Sox, I should say, uh, he, uh, he, Pitched a, a gym, uh, He pitched a gym against uh, Dylan Cease uh, of the White Sox. The Sox were lucky to win that game on Sunday. But with that being said, the Cubs are starting to uh, get their starting rotation back together. Drew Smiley uh, pitched okay uh, towards the end of that Milwaukee series. I believe they split split that series against Milwaukee, winning the last couple of games in their series. As you mentioned, I, I checked out some of that game last night between the Cubs and St. Louis. St. Louis almost came back, but the Cubs had enough offense to... Take the first game of that five game weekend series. Uh, Lakina, here's another young player that we need to talk about. How about Christopher Morrell, mm-hmm. uh, the rookie outfielder? He made a great catch in last Sunday's game at, at, uh, at, at the White Sox on the south side, but his bat has really been high since he was brought up a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, he had a couple, yeah, he had a walk off against the Brewers, so, you know, to split that yeah. series with them. He actually had a couple of, RBI's uh, last night also too. Frank Schwindel has been pretty consistent. Frank the awesome. Tank. <laughs> yeah, he's been. Child talk. I got Eugene
1: Maggach from the big so Give yeah. him that name. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's been really good too. Look, at yeah, wisdom has been really solid. You know, the mm-hmm. pitching has been pretty good too. So yeah, you know, the Cubs. Look, like I said, look, they're not going to contend, I think, but they've got uh, some really solid young talent there, and they're and look, they're they're doing it against the Brewers and the Cardinals the top sort of like the other top tier teams in that division. So if you're the Cubs, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, the season's a wash, but you know what though, you got a lot of great young players that you probably maybe not necessarily build around, but you kind of feel like, okay, the future looks you know, really good. Um, you know, and it's very bright for the Cubs yeah, at this point in this season. So yeah, I think look, like I said, if the Cubs could be like right there at five hundred. That's a successful season for if everyone, mm-hmm. if Wisdom is still really solid. I know Nico Horner's been out in the aisle. If Christopher Well, you know, who knows? They can keep it up, but he's becoming a, a kind of a cult figure here in Chicago, yeah. just with his excitement and and, his, and such. So you know, I gotta, gotta think, think yes, there are good things to watch if you're a Cubs fan. So yeah, you're not gonna, yes, you're not gonna contend, but you know what? There are a lot of good you know, young players out there. We just named them. So, yeah, at least sort of, you know, kind of take a peek and see, you know, some of the, you know, the some of the really good players that they got on the team. So,
1: And, and also, too, you you mentioned Nico Horner. He, he's been one of the best young players all, all year long. You can tell that the Cubs often suffered when uh, he suffered that injury a few weeks ago, and the Cubs often struggled. But they're playing some uh, fundamentally sound baseball Ever since he, he's returned, you mentioned uh, that they won the last couple of games of the Milwaukee series, and they started off hot uh, with uh, with the Cardinals last night. They should have swept the White Sox, to be honest with you, last weekend mm-hmm. on the south side, but yeah. it didn't come to fruition. But uh, David Watts has these guys playing right now. How about Wilson Contreras? We haven't mentioned mm-hmm. him, him yet until just now. Still continuing to swing the hot bat. Now, will GM Jet Hoyer trade him around this time next month? We shall see. But right now, uh, Wilson Contreras' bat is doing the talking.
0: Yeah, he actually is, I think he got got injured too in that game against the Cardinals. I think the the last Brewers game. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't play. He. I think he did play yesterday. So that's on the lookout for too. If you're, uh, if that's, if that is a guy that you want to trade. He's a very popular player on that team. One of the last guys on that, you know, twenty six, twenty sixteen mm-hmm. team. But you know, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Now. Real, so real quickly.
1: Yeah, real quick, Lakina. Speaking of Marcus Stroman, he's starting today's game against the Cardinals in a couple of minutes. It's the second game of that five-game series. Okay. Uh, so we'll see if Marcus Stroman can bring in against a, a, a better team in uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. As I mentioned, he did well in his last start uh, against the White Sox last Sunday afternoon. Let's see if he can continue that momentum uh, in a few minutes against the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. He's actually, does, you know, I, don't, I think he's like the one the second game against the Cardinals too. So we'll see mm-hmm. how he does against them. Now, probably the big news that, you know, came down the pipe that's kind of shocked a lot of people this morning. MLB mm-hmm. was Joe Girardi got, got fired from the Phillies. Now... I will say this, I mean, yeah, yeah, have the Phillies underachieved this year? Okay, yeah, they're 12 games out. Um, Look, they've won seven, they've lost of their last 10, I should say. And yeah, they've they've underachieved, but, you know, they've got injuries. You know, Bryce Harper's still out. So I don't think Girardi was the problem, but, you know, I I don't know what's going on over there in Philly. (laughs)
1: Here's the thing, Lakina. We talked about this last year, and we mentioned uh, this uh, a little bit this year. Uh, their bullpen is not that good. The, it was their Achilles here last year. That's why they lost the NL Central. Uh, sorry, the NL East uh, division title to the now defending Chan- World Series champion Atlanta Braves. Number two, their offense. I know they picked up Kyle Schwarber. He looks nice on paper, but they just haven't put it all together. As we said, baseball is a long year. But it, it's been a constant problem with Philadelphia over the last two or three years. Like you said, a manager cannot hit, a manager cannot field, a manager cannot pitch. And so it's up to the players at the end of the day, at the end of the day to uh, be held accountable for that uh, for their lack of a performance. And all the only thing the manager could do is uh, help, uh, uh, help the players uh, hold themselves accountable and make out the lineup cards. That's it. Now, I said this to you and a, to a couple of other guys uh, a few years ago. I wish Joe Girardi was managing the White Sox right now. I know the Philadelphia uh, uh, got him first before the Mets or the White Sox uh, uh, did back in 2019, I believe it was. But uh, I don't want to start any speculation, but this is just my thought. Uh, should the White Sox uh, fail to meet expectations this year? Should the same thing happen this year like it did last year, losing to Houston in the divisional round? Uh, the White Sox should seriously strongly consider Joe Girardi as their next manager. I was just screaming and yelling about this three years ago.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, they were able to. The Phillies were able to kind of, you know, salvage that series against the Giants. I know they got swept against the Mets earlier this Mm -hmm. week. Now that might have you know played a part, but you know Mm -hmm. it's sort of one of those things where you're kind of like, "Mm, okay, you know, maybe this was the kind of pull they take the hook on him. But Mm -hmm. again, we'll see. But uh, it's going to be very interesting, you know, in Philly. But uh, sort of like one of what kind of caught my attention, like I said, the Blue Jays. They've now won eight in a Mm -hmm. row, especially with that sweep against the White Sox. Um, uh, the, the angels are going down the other direction. Uh, they've lost eight in a row. So yeah. That, Talia
1: almost no hit them yesterday. Yeah, he
0: did. So, uh, that, you know, just, you know, just missed that. Then, uh, that perfect, almost had a perfect, had a perfect game game too going on. went yeah. To the seventh again. So, but unfortunately that, you know, but they were able to pull that out to the Yankees. Did you know, the Yankees, they've won three in a row. So in their last yeah. 10, um, let's see who else, uh, the Dodgers after games swept, <laughs> by, by the Pirates
4: by, of All teams.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I know. By the Pirates, like at home, I know you know folks in, in you know with in LA are already going crazy. Now they did mm-hmm. they did shut out the Mets last night. You know they continue. Yeah. You know they were going to the weekend, so we'll see if they can respond. I guess they were taking it out on them. <laughs> but look, I mean, to be fair, the Dogs actually had chances to kind of take the series, but you know they mm-hmm. had guys in scoring position, but they weren't able to get their guys across. So that's probably why they. That's another reason why they lost that series. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, like, you know, the, the Padres are going in a, a totally different direction. They've lost yeah, the Cardinals take
1: care of them earlier this week.
0: Yeah. They swept, they got swept by the Cardinals. So, <laughs> you know, they're starting, they've losing ground a little bit against the Dodgers. We were not able to take advantage of, you know, Dodgers getting swept by the Pirates. So what else caught your eye in MLB this week?
1: I thought we were going to get a no-hitter the other day, Lakina, between the Marlins and the Rockies. Uh, the Marlins, uh, they still trying to hang around around the 500. Mark. They take care of the Rockies in Colorado uh, earlier this week. As you mentioned, the Guardians, they sweep the Royals. And, of course, the Tigers lost four or five at uh, Detroit against the Tigers so uh, that's what caught my eye this week around baseball the Astros still are looking strong they take care of Oakland I wonder how many people showed up to the Coliseum that's really sad what's going on uh in in that city of Oakland it's just real sad a rich baseball history in that franchise in that fan base and uh and and you give them this type of crap product that makes no sense to me
0: yeah like I think there were like what 2,000 people there those less. yeah like, you know, twenty five hundred like three thousand so yeah just awful on what a historic franchise this was a team that was winning World Series you know both the seventies and you know contended for World Series in the eighties and now look yeah one in the
1: eighty nine
0: yep yeah and and the look what what's happening so it, it's just mm-hmm. you know just awful how far that that franchise has fallen but yeah I know there are other circumstances but even still you know what I I would say uh the Tigers like I said they're gonna have something to say they you know they win four out of five against the Twins so. You know, mm-hmm. that they're going to have probably have a say on who wins at the AL Central. So, and they still got some games, got some socks coming up too. So, you know, if you're the the Detroit might play a factor, I'm not going to say they'll be contending, but, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I think they're, they've got a lot of young players. You got, you got Cabrera still out there, still, you know, producing. So it's going to be very interesting to see what, what happens. Um, there but uh the schedule for uh for this weekend I mean I know that the Cardinals and the Cubs they continue their series have, they have four more of these because of you know weather delays earlier this this season so that's why I think one of those games is a double header I believe. That's so, on Saturday. Yeah tomorrow is a double header. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that's you know, they'll kind of make up for that. So still a lot, you know. We'll see if the Cubs can keep up what they've been doing against some of these top tier teams. Now, uh, the first now actually you got a decent game in the Apple TV Plus uh, universe. You got the Tigers and the Yankees, so that might be a fun one there for all you Detroit and uh, New York uh, Yankees fans. You're gonna have to go, gotta find some other places to uh, watch. Yeah, no, Apple yes to network Plus. tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the Giants and the Marlins, um, the Nationals and the Reds uh ESPN plus you got the angels and the Phillies of course now um you know without George Girardi it's gonna be just see how the Phillies respond Arizona and Pittsburgh Cleveland and Baltimore Minnesota and Toronto that should be a fun one uh the yeah course- if you're a
1: White Sox fan you room for Toronto
0: <laughs> well yeah well you got your own issue too if you're the White Sox you gotta yeah. face the and <laughs> yeah, they've been pretty hot lately Seattle and Texas Seattle's been mm-hmm. very disappointing this year uh my uh, prediction of them perhaps uh, going again, a wild card in AL, um, not looking good right now. Yeah, uh, Texas, Houston, two
1: games under 500.
0: Yeah, we have really good. They got some good players over there in Texas. So mm-hmm. that should be a fun one. Houston and Kansas City, uh, the Padres and the Brewers. That should be an interesting one, too. We'll see if the Padres. Very underrated
1: are- series this weekend. Yeah, that should be a whole well, lot of fun.
0: Well, it doesn't help that the Pogs, like I said, they've lost four in a row, so that doesn't help. But uh, right. we'll see they get back on track. Atlanta and Colorado, that should be an interesting one there. That's the second game in the Apple TV uh, double header. <laughs> so for those of you in Atlanta and uh, Denver, you're going to be have to make, find some other arrangements to watch that game. Boston and Oakland. We mentioned Oakland earlier. I'm sure, they might, there might be some Boston people there, I'm, I'm guessing. Boston yeah, oh, yeah. Then, <laughs>
1: They'll probably and, get 10,000 there. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Mets, Mets and uh, Dodgers. Um, They can see their series uh, on the Fox uh, Saturday Baseball Game of the Week. You got the Angels and the Phillies and the Cardinals and the Cubs and Detroit and New York will will be getting the Peacock treatment.
1: Yes, they will. And for Sunday night baseball, it, it will be the Cardinals and the Cubs this Sunday at 6 p.m. on ESPN. So that's your schedule for Major League, Major League Baseball for this weekend. You're listening to Second City Sports or Sports on Chicago, the Friday edition. Sid Lakina here with you. Just a couple more nuggets on baseball, Laquina, before we head to the bottom of the hour break. For the White Sox this weekend, your starting rotation looks like this at Tampa Bay. Vince Velasquez pitches tonight. Lucas Giolito will pitch on Sunday. Dillasis will pitch tomorrow. So that's your uh, starting rotation for the White Sox. Uh, Laquina, the uh, Washington Nationals, there's been some rumors over the last few days that uh, I know the the Nationals won the World Series three years ago. I know around this time they were 19-30, and and, of course, they went on to win the World Series. Steven Strasburg was the MVP. Max Scherzer was part of that uh, great team as well. But things are not looking well for them this year, and there's been some rumors that – uh, that that Washington management should trade Juan Soto, one of the best young hitters in all of baseball. Of course, uh, their GM came out and said this week, there, there's no, no, there's no way we're going to trade Juan Soto. Uh, he's off the table, and blah blah blah. She, uh, should the Nationals continue their downside looking? Should uh, Nationals management uh, co- seriously consider trading Soto?
0: Well, I, I think if they feel like they can get something from them, I think they may not have a choice. I mean, you like you say, you got a lot of you know a lot of you know teams. You got, you know the Yankees, like, you know they can always use another bat. You know, pitching sort of like that—that's kind of like their 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 issue. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe the look the Blue Jays. I'm sure that they would love to perhaps maybe get another bat but who do you give up if you're the Blue Jays? You know, you got a lot of, you got a pre-sack farm system. So I don't know if you want to, Yeah. they want to, you know, trade that sort of mortgage a farm, if you will. The Dodgers, I mean, like I said, who do the Dodgers have in their farm system that they want to trade? I'm sure the Nationals are going to want sort of like literally the farm, you know, to get, you know, to yeah. one of their <laughs> best players. So
1: If he went to the Dodgers, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I know Atlanta, maybe, you know, do you want to, I, I doubt they're going to trade within their division. So I don't know. The, the, the Mets are probably out too maybe milwaukee or st louis i mean i i guess i don't know uh i know the i know white Sox fan i know his man's been floating around too among mike's white Sox fans uh, that you don't really don't have anything to trade you know for the yeah then they're, the they're mainly
1: systems not as strong as it was a few years ago hmm.
0: right so you may not have maybe houston i know houston's got a pretty solid farm system i'm sure they probably wouldn't mind getting soto as well so and maybe the race too i know they're, they're, their theirs there's their farms is pretty stacked too so I think, look, if you're if you're a Na- Nationals brass, I think you probably will at least listen. If I were them, mm-hmm. if if you, you do see a, a trade or if you see a deal that's probably right there into your wheelhouse, I was I would listen. If you're the if you're the Nationals,
1: yeah. So we'll see what happens with that situation going forward. Uh, Lakina, any other baseball nuggets or tips you'd like to share with the rest of the world before we break?
0: Um, interesting that you know, four vaccinated players from the twins will miss a series against Toronto. Of course, Toronto has very strict guidelines mm-hmm. on um you know, you know, athletes playing there. We saw this with the Raptors this year. Of course, you know, they just got back there um by you know about a third through the season. And that's we saw it with the
1: White Sox too this yeah, week. Kendall Braveman yeah. and Dylan Cease.
0: Yeah, Cease yeah, Cease, you know, couldn't you know, pitch next series. So that's why you know, folks were wondering why it wasn't Cease there. Well, now you know why. Matt Kepler mm-hmm. and Emilio Pagan among those four uh, players for so the Twins. So, yeah, this is going to be an issue for if you're a contending team and you got to go to Toronto and you're not going to be able to play. So you better try to make sure your guys are vaccinated. But, mm-hmm. uh, again, it will be interesting to see if that becomes a big issue this weekend. I think if C's had pitched, I think they probably would have won one of those games with the, the White Sox. So I don't know. But like I said, this, this is going to be a story throughout the season. They're going to keep this rule in place um the Orioles have actually been pretty decent yeah I don't yeah they, they're they not as bad as we all thought they would be I mean they yeah, would we'll be saying that good, all year long yeah we got they got a lot of good young uh players on that team you know they're 22 and 31 so they're not pushovers anymore so I think their over under is now 50 so they might they might get close to that so
1: who knows they'll probably win 60 to 65 games but we'll see that there's a long way to go uh, for the Baltimore Orioles, as they, they, they are stacked with young talent. Looks like some of that talent from the court is starting to come around. Lakina, we have to break for a two and two break. When we return, we'll give you our Stanley Cup playoffs update the conference finals are starting to heat up and it is looks like it's going to continue to stay that way we'll have some sports media nuggets and a whole lot more i'm sid that's lakina you're listening to the friday edition of second city sports we're alive and they live in the living color and you're listening to sports zone chicago
2: automotive map.com presents the sports flash on the sports zone chicago NBA Thursday, the Bulls dropped their second straight 126-109 the loss at New Orleans. The Bulls are 42-31 and 31 with the setback. Zach Levine led the scoring for Chicago with 39 points. Kobe White had 23. The Pelicans got 30 points from Devontae Graham, 25 from C.J. McCollum, and a double-double from Jonas Valanciunas. Up next for the Bulls, they'll try and snap the skid tomorrow night when they visit Cleveland. The Blackhawks put a two-game winning streak on the line tomorrow when they visit the Vegas Golden Knights. Chicago with a 4-3 win at Los Angeles yesterday. Alex DeBrincat had the shootout winner. Colin Delia. Made 43 saves through overtime in just his second start of the season. Spring training Thursday, the Angels beat the Cubs 5 4. Today, it'll be the Cubs taking on the Rockies. The Giants beat the White Sox 9 6. Today, the Sox will face the Mariners. For lightning fast sports updates, download the SCORE app. It's free and one of the most popular sports apps in North America. I'm Chuck Sanders. Dance the Sports Flash on the Sports Zone Chicago.
3: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me.
4: Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Barn & Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.
1: Welcome back to Second City Sports on the all new Friday edition, right here on Sports All Chicago. We're live, and live in color. This is our first show for the month of uh, June. I am Sydney Brown, lower with Miss Lakina McGee. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at ck 80 Once again, SidKid80, that's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kenan McGee on
0: the IG.
1: We have less than a half hour left of this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments uh, for us during our, any of our topics for today's show? You go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, let's finish up the show strong by first talking about that hockey. Let's do that hockey. Uh the conference finals are, are underway. Of course, on Memorial Day, the New York Rangers eliminated the Carolina Hurricanes in game seven on the road by the score of six to two. But let's start with the rest of the conference finals. Lakina, the Colorado Avalanche. They take care of business by winning their two games at home. By the first game on Tuesday was was by the score of eight to six. And they won last night by the score of four to nothing. Lakina, like, is there anything that's been surprising about you uh, about the Colorado Avalanche? Me personally, well, we've
0: been, no. We've been saying this all year about Colorado. I mean, they've got probably got you know top to bottom one of the some of the top scores in the league. I mean, Nate McKinnon has been you know just uh, lights out. He had another goal uh, last night. Um, you know, they actually uh, other guys step step up too. Look, look, and then had a a goal and an assist and uh you know retin had you know a goal and assist as well so definitely a nice sort of you know you know kadri had three assists too, and he you knows four goals so it's been one of those things where you know what they've been you know really solid all all uh season long and also in these playoffs frank who had 24 saves now the, the oilers need to be more aggressive i know uh you know i know uh smith had a 36 save but unfortunately he had 40 shots you know mike smith did so he had yeah. like a lot to contend with from the avalanche. He had an avalanche of gold. I think that was more a more sort of no like, pun intended. That was yeah. That wasn't the most twelve minute pun, but yeah. So look, I mean, you know, Connor McDavid, you know, be a little more aggressive. Uh You know, I, I, you know Kane needs to be a little bit more aggressive to Evander Kane. So look, and Drasadi. I mean, where he where is he? I mean, where where is he? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, that's been that sort of the thing. Ooh. So we'll see. You know, they got go to go go to Toronto. We'll see what happens in that you know series tomorrow. You know, in Game Three, that's pivotal for them because I feel like no, this isn't no, this isn't. Yeah, so you need to get it together if you're the Oilers.
1: If you're Edmonton, and this has been their problem with this uh, recent core over the last few years. Uh, defensively, there, I know our guy Duncan Keith, former Blackhawk, is over there now, but uh, their defensive core. Uh, their defensive strategy, uh, uh, it's just its just not there. And mm-hmm. we all know with Colorado, uh, with their speed and uh, agility, uh, they, they can outscore most teams, and we saw that in game one. Like you said, Nathan McKinnon and Lankanen, uh, uh th- those two guys uh, uh, make that av- avalanche uh, offense go. If, if you're Edmonton now – with games three and four being on your home lines, you need to jump on Colorado early because if you give Colorado the early two, not the three, nothing lead, it's over for you. I know that Edmonton can keep up scoring wise, but defensively it's just been a struggle for them over the last uh, recent years.
0: Yeah. It's sort of one of those things where, yeah that has been a struggle for them. So Edmonton is sort of like they've been underachieving the last few years. So I think this is sort of one of those reasons why, I mean, where is that aggression? Where is sort of that, you know, sort of that, like, yeah, we know they can score, but the problem is they haven't been scoring, mm-hmm. especially they didn't score uh last night. So they need to sort of make the make adjustments. Again, we'll see if they can do that tomorrow and you know, if they get the series back at home, we'll see if they can, you know, sort of cut into this lead. But if not, it looks like Colorado might be going back to the Stanley Cup final for the first time and I think what would be like what twenty years. So Yeah. yeah we'll see.
1: In the Eastern Conference Finals, Game 2 will take place tonight from MSG. That's at 7 o'clock Chicago time on ESPN. The New York Strangers with an upset victory against the Lightning in Game 1 on Wednesday by the score of 6-2. Has, has to Has been there. Uh, can, you, can you hear me now?
0: I can hear you, yeah, you okay. froze for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> uh,
1: but the, the New York Rangers, uh, their their struggles have been uh, um, not scoring goals. Uh, and they score them in bunches, but they can't consistently uh, keep that up. Um, we They scored uh, 12 goals in their last two games, and so uh, the momentum uh, has been on their side side offensively. They need to keep that up. I don't know if they're going to score six goals tonight against a very good Tampa Bay Lightning team, but uh, it was important for them to go still game run. They definitely – carry that momentum from the game seven win on monday at carolina
0: well to piggyback off that they've scored five or more goals in, the, in three or more straight playoff games for the fourth time in their franchise history that's the most the most recent part was the last time they won the cup in 94 so mm-hmm. you know you can take that forever take that as you will but yeah i think look i think the sort of to me this kind of reminds me of you know the nba finals you got the experience with tampa you know, a lot of the core guys are there yeah, we know the Rangers are good; they can score, but can they keep it up? And I think the I think the Lightning were kind of like shell shocked by the fact that you know since the Rangers are such a young team, yeah, I think they kind of were caught off guard by the fact that they you know, the aggressiveness and the speed of the Rangers. So I think the experience will definitely help the Lightning a little bit. So that's why I think they're gonna feel do better tonight. So. I'm, you know, I, yeah, the, the 7 o'clock game on ESPN, so uh, check that out tonight. But, yeah, I think the the lady will definitely come back and, and uh, even this series. I think that they're, they're too good. They're too much experience there for it not to happen.
1: Yeah, as I said before, I had the Rangers win the Stanley Cup. Uh, they will win this series. I think it will go the full seven, and we'll see what happens with that. I think Tampa Bay, uh, I think the fatigue, uh, we'll catch up to them. It's going to be a long series. The Rangers, we all know they can uh, bring the physicality, but uh, the Lightning, they can put a couple goals on you real quick without blinking. So it, it's going to be a chess, chess match, uh, throughout this series. So it's going to be entertaining, including tonight's game two action.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. I think, look, both these series, I think, yeah, I know Colorado has to be a one the first two, but I feel like again, the Oilers. They I mean look, they they've underachieved, so I'm hoping they can kind of kind of get back into it. Cause I've got the I've got Colorado winning, but I have them doing it in six, so I need the mm-hmm. the Oilers to kind of you know get back into the series and perhaps hopefully they'll win these next two in their home ice. But uh, you know the I've got the Rangers two win seven, so I, I feel like you know well like, if you're stop stealing my picks. <laughs> well, stop. Well, look, you didn't you, look. You didn't say that you're. I had look. I had the Avalanche win the cup anyway, so. You know, oh, there good. you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had the ask money. I had to ask, had to ask winning, like early in the season, so I wasn't. <laughs> I told you, you said that. I heard you're You told me that earlier. I told you that early in the season said that I had the yeah, ABS winning. So, but uh, yeah, so I think if you're if you're ESPN, I think you'll you'll you know, you'll be cool, fine with whoever wins, whoever ends up winning these conference finals ends up, you know going to the Stanley Cup because you need, you know the race has been very really solid for both them and Turner, but you need mm-hmm. all the buzz you can get since you're gonna have the uh the Stanley Cup this year, so. But, yeah, like I said, this should be a fun series. Hopefully both these uh, series can go to distance and uh, build the buzz.
1: Yeah, once again, the schedule for the Stanley Cup playoffs this weekend, tonight, Friday, uh, 7 o'clock on ESPN and ESPN Plus. uh, Tampa Bay at the MSG to take on the New York Rangers uh, in game two of that series. New York leads that series one game to none. Tomorrow, Saturday, at 7 o'clock on TNT is Colorado at Edmonton. That's game three of that series. Colorado leads that series two games tonight and then on Sunday night actually Sunday afternoon on ESPN and ESPN plus is game three between the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course the Rangers as I mentioned lead that series one game to none. So that's your schedule for the Stanley Cup playoffs for this coming weekend. You're listening to Second City Sports on the Friday edition. We're live in the Living Column Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Lakina, we still have some time left. Let's get into some sports and media news. Let's start out locally. Uh, uh, and it involves one of our uh, best friends of the show, Miss Caitlin Sharkey, and Chris Bowden has been. They, they both have been hired as full-time sports anchors and reporters for Chicago's very own WGN Television. Of course, Dan Rome retired last week after 45 years in broadcasting, the last 38 of them at WGN. And so we'd like to congratulate uh, uh, both of those new additions to the WGN staff. Chris Bowden and our good buddy, Kaylin Sharkey, we'll have her on this program um, down the road. Uh, she's one of our favorite guests uh, to have on this program. So it's nice for Miss Sharkey to stay in Chicago.
0: Yeah, that's very, very glad to hear that. And uh, yeah, I think she's gonna be doing what Laura Majera did who left um, a couple of months ago. So we'll mm-hmm. see how she does. And you know, Chris Bowden back, you know, doing, you know, We you know, he worked at CBS uh, to Chicago, also to, uh, NBC sports Chicago mm-hmm. as well for years. So yeah, so he's a fixture here as well. So I'm glad they were, they hired him back full time. Um, but we just see how they do this because you know, our, our, our buddy, uh, our, our, buddy, uh, Jared Payton also too Josh Hawley is also, uh, as Josh, Fryman. That, Josh Fryman. I should say, okay, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got Larry Holly mixed up, but, uh, uh Josh Fry, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Larry. Love you. Love you. We gotta get you back on soon, but yeah, Josh too, as yeah. well. But, uh, uh our buddy yeah. Josh Fryman too, but, uh, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, we just see how they do this because, you know, it's a little, like, I guess, look, they're teasing they got something big coming up. So they got, you've got the, the field reporters and such, you know, when the game's on the ice, they, in the mm-hmm. court, you have got like that week that nightly show they have on, which is on every single night. Not you know, not yeah, just the GN's weekends, but the weekends. yeah, all the weekends as well. So I guess they're going to spread that out too a little bit. But I guess for the time being, they're going to have four full time people. But again, they also have streaming services too. So I guess they're going to be doing the stream. Somebody they're going to be taking turns doing the streaming part as well. I know GN has a their own streaming app, like all the other all the other local networks mm-hmm. do. So maybe they're going to be doing that as well. So it'll be just see how they do this.
1: Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Chicago's very own WGN Channel 9 with their sports coverage moving forward. Uh, let's go to the NFL, Akina. As, uh, as expected, Greg Olson and Kevin Barker have been named the, num- the official number one team for this upcoming season. How long would that last? We shall see since Fox has the Super Bowl this year. Should this be Brady's last year playing in uniform? Uh He's going to sneak up up there at some point, we assume, next year. Of course, he signed that 10-year, $375 million contract to work at Fox Sports.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's not not a you know, really big surprise, I think, if we all thought that this was going to happen. You know, again, how long is it going to be? Will it be for just for this year? Will it be for the next two years? Because if you remember, the next, you know, next two of the of the next three Super Bowls will be on Fox. So especially if mm-hmm. we you know this, this actually is finishing up the old, you know, the old TV agreement. It'll start the new the new TV agreement kicks in after next season and next year. So 2023. So we just see if will you know Tom Brady still be playing? Then will they have him start in the studio first, Who, and then they'll have him back in the booth. So. Well, this is gonna be probably going to be a transitional thing, but we'll see what happens later. Look, I look, I like you know, Greg and Kevin Burkhardt together. I feel like they're mm-hmm. especially with you know, of course, now with Troy Min and uh Joe Buck going on to ESPN, they're gonna need you know, a guy to kind of need some guys to kind of fill that void. Now, what if he does well, uh, Greg Olson and then makes you kind of rethink things? But who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm sure look, look, I mean, you know, they're paying Tom Brady like 300, like 376 million dollars, something like that. so... He's going to be doing more than just, you know, call games like we said earlier when this news came out. He's going to be probably going to do some, be developing some content for them, you know, some original uh, programming and such. So, again, we'll see how long this lasts.
1: And sticking with the NFL breaking news over the last hour or so, Brent Musburger, the legendary sports broadcaster, he was the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders over the last four years. Uh, he called it a career earlier today uh, going out on Twitter saying that uh, he's no longer going to uh, be the voice of the – las vegas raiders he officially retired uh so the raiders are looking for a new football voice for their team for this upcoming season and beyond and, and of course let's and also to brent musburger is the founder in charge of the uh of uh, the vegas uh, uh, insider sports network the betting uh, uh website which they produce a lot of great content as well
0: yes they do and uh I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Like, look, he's in his seventies. He's well into his seventies now. He probably wants to cut back on his scheduling. Well, he's eighty three, actually. Mm, okay. Wow. Okay. Um, Making so, us uh, feel yeah. old. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he probably just wants to kind of go you know, call it a career. And I'm sure there's a lot of travel involved as well. I don't know how much traveling he was doing with the pandemic and such, but. I mean, okay, yeah, he had a nice career. I mean, the political stuff aside, I know he's gotten you know, some heat for some of his political views, but I wanna talk mm. about, you know, his career, you know, as a sportscaster and such. I'm gonna keep you know, keep it, you know, at there. But uh yeah, so look him and Lincoln Kenny had great chemistry. I actually listened to some of their games. Mm. But uh we'll we'll see where the Raiders go. Look, I'm sure Mark Davis will be you h know, they'll hire some uh, really, you know you know, they may they may go a different direction and hire a woman, so who knows? But yeah.
1: Yeah, the Raiders has always been that uh, NFL franchise uh, that's um, been a forefront for progressive movement and changed the course. They had uh, Tom Flores, who's finally in the Hall of Fame. He was the first Hispanic head coach. Of course, Art the first African-American head coach. You remember, he was an interim, and then they took that title off and gave him the full... Uh, head coaching job there. So the Raiders, so of course they had Amy Trash, who's now with CBS Sports. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was the first woman executive back in the day for that organization. And she's a
0: great follow on Twitter, so if you're not following her on Twitter, please do so.
1: Yeah. And so uh, that one shocked me, Lakina. They went that route. And so, especially with the new trainers going on, on over the last few years, so I won't be shocked if that happens. So the Las Vegas Raiders will be looking for a new radio voice uh, to call their games. Sticking with football, LaQuina, Drew breeze. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He's uh, left NBC. Uh, I don't think he's going to play football again, nor should he. You <laughs> saw his last couple years playing; uh, it wasn't that great. He was still effective, but not like he once was. It looks like Jason Garrett, the former NFL. Head coach and office coordinator of the New York Giants from last season. It looks like he may replace Mr. Breeze in the TV booth for the Notre Dame games.
0: Yeah, and I saw. Well, look if you guys listen to him on the USFL games, he's actually really good. He went to an Ivy League school too, so we know he's pretty smart. So, of <laughs> course, you know, comes from the world of coaching. Coach for Dallas uh, for years and such. So, yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't be surprised if he decides if they decide to do that. And. Look, he went to Princeton and Columbia for his master. So, I look. We know he's a very smart guy. He might they might have him do some NFL games as well. So, again, this wouldn't really shock me if they end up going this route. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, good for him. And if they do do that, I mean, we'll be interested to see what you know, what direction you know. He's already there, so I'm sure they're gonna want to mm-hmm. make sure that you know, if, if another like coordinating opportunity and such. I mean, he'll probably make more doing this than he would you know doing you know coaching it's a lot less stressful too i think he's now, real, yeah. now realizing <laughs> so uh yes yeah. so yeah i i wouldn't be i wouldn't hate it if you know if he ends up getting the the, the notre dame job uh, notre dame uh tv gig and also too of course i'm sure he's gonna probably gonna want they're gonna want to do some probably some uh nfl as well
1: yeah so we'll see what happens with Jason Gary. Still sticking with the NFL, Lakina Ryan Fitzpatrick, the now ex-quarterback of the NFL, he retired earlier this week after a 17-year career and earned a whole bunch of money. He's in talks with Amazon to perhaps join their coverage since they'll have Thursday night football for this upcoming season in, the, in years and uh, uh, years beyond.
0: Yeah, we know that um, that they're gonna they're gonna want to you know swing for the fence if you're if you're Amazon. So getting a very popular guy like a Fitzpatrick Ryan Fitzpatrick, also to a very yo know, smart guy too, another Ivy League guy. So yeah, we know, we know we know he can break down things you know better than perhaps me a lot of guys that are doing it right now. So we know that he's gonna probably gonna bring that to the table again. Should this become official with Amazon? So look, he had a great career. Yo, look, he's made millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, look, unfortunately, injuries kind of got to him, you know, in the last few years, especially, especially last season. But, uh, yeah, again, you know, look, this is a guy who probably should be, you know, going into, you know, going to television. Like, he's got about, like, seven kids to support, so. Oh, you
1: know, the I've fill the rivers action, huh? Yeah, so, <laughs> oh,
0: so, yeah, so he's going to, yeah, so he's going to need to do something. But, uh. yeah, so, um. yeah, so well, good for him, and congrats on a great career. Now, speaking, you know, sticking with that, um Also, to Frank Gore signed a one-day uh, contract with the team who originally drafted him, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and he called it a career yesterday. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Probably one of the top, you know, rushing leaders in the last um, fifteen years. Do you think he gets to the Hall of Fame?
1: I think isn't it Adrian James in the Hall of Fame? Or who? I know who he was up for Adrian James.
0: He no, he's already in. He, he went in. A he's already years
1: ago. in. So if he, he's in there, Frank Gore should be in there because he has the numbers to back it up as well. So I say yes.
0: Yeah, fellow Miami Hurricane. Yeah, Edron yeah. Chase got in a couple of years ago. So yeah, yeah. So I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I think he's a first ballot. I think you know in a few years once and we'll see if he does some TV stuff too. We know he's got a great. Per- I know he's got an MMA uh, thing going on. He's mm-hmm. I guess he's I think he's just, I think he's just bored. But uh, again, so uh, we'll see. What, but yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think you know, I think he's first ballot. You know, some people how they feel about running backs and getting them in their first. You know, the first ballot. But again, I think he should definitely be the exception to the rule. So. I think he'll be fine. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, definitely a couple of you know, you know, consistently veteran of, of players calling a career this week.
1: And also, too, uh, let's go to the world of baseball coming up this Monday at nine thirty p.m. Eastern. That's eight thirty Chicago time. Will be the MLB Network Showcase Clubhouse Edition. It will return for the twenty twenty two season uh, with CC Sabathia, Cliff Floor, Yonder Alonso, and Chicago's very own. Stephen nelson uh, uh the the broadcast is almost like peyton's place is a very conversational type broadcast almost like a podcast style like what they are trying to do with apple tv plus uh broadcast this year uh, i actually enjoyed a couple of games that uh, that those guys uh did last year so it's going to make his debut this coming monday at eight thirty p.m chicago time on mb network that's the san diego padres hosted in new york mess have you checked out those um uh those uh, types of broadcasts lakina from years past mlb networks tried to uh, to do this
0: yeah and i think they've been they need to do is to get the buzz going when it comes to baseball but from mm-hmm. what i've read the Rays have actually been pretty solid so uh, again i think they're trying to you know, reach into you know sort of like the younger viewers but uh mm-hmm. yeah i think look i think the guys you mentioned i think look i think those are probably the best guys who have the best per- we know cc debatty has a great personality so Yes. will be adding a lot to the table there as well and, and yeah we'll see how this goes i mean like i said i think a, a show like this can work you know again if you get the right parameters you get the right right people for it but yeah mm-hmm. i think i've checked it out and i think it's gonna it should be it should be really interesting to see what happens with um this now going back to the nfl another nfl player of course this happened earlier today uh veteran center alex mack from the 49ers announced his retirement after 13 seasons he was Named to the uh, Hall of Fame's All-Decade Team for the 2010s, he has been named. as He was named a seven Pro Bowls, three Second Team All-Pro nods, and of course, like I said, the uh, All-Decade Team for the 2010s. So, is he a Hall of Famer?
1: Ooh, with, the, with those credentials, you would think yes, but uh, he'll probably have to wait a while. It Depends on who's in front of him.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know he's a, you know you know how it is with, with offensive tackles especially. So like yeah, you they,
1: they usually have to wait a they while. have to wait
0: a few more years. So, uh but yeah, I think he'll get in. But like I said, it's probably not going to get in first ballot. So, again, mm-hmm. a great career for him. And uh again, you we know, like I said, you know, I showed I told you guys his credentials. So I'm sure he'll mm-hmm. get in eventually.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, let's go back to the world of basketball, Likina. Uh Speaking of the NBA finals last night. Uh, of course, uh, the bro- the traditional broadcast is on ABC. Mark Jones and Mark Jackson called the game last night. Of course, Adrian Wojcinski and Mike Breen were missing, and actually due to their uh, positive uh, the test results uh, dealing with COVID. But on ESPN two had they had the alternate broadcast featuring Doctor J. Julius Irvin, Magic Johnson, and Michael Eaves uh, to name a few. Did you check out any of that broadcast last night?
0: I took a peek at it, and like I okay. and like we've been saying, I mean, look, they're gonna people want alternatives if you're not gonna if you're not into like the traditional broadcast, if you want something that's a little more free flowing, and you know you probably still watch the game. I mean, this might be the thing that they're gonna do, and I, I think they're gonna do this for the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, when the you know, Stanley Cup uh, p- a final starts in a couple of weeks. So I think they're gonna do that, you know, something similar. So on I, ABC, I, yeah, so uh, on on the ESPN networks, you know, with it mm-hmm. with it being on ABC this year, so yeah i I mean oh okay i mean look that's something that they want to do i mean look if i tend to kind of see the traditional uh i'm a traditionalist when it comes to these type of things so Mm -hmm. but maybe maybe college football is probably the exception uh, you know they got their mega cast and such, but uh, I like that yeah. for
1: college football, yeah, that makes sense for college football, yes.
0: Yeah, the NBA and also, the, and I do like I know, I think the NHL is going to do something, I think they're going to do something for the NHL too on ASP and their network, so, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, that's something that you want to have a different, you know, sort of like maybe a different, you know, vibe from it, but okay, but I might, I took a peek at, it, it wasn't really my cup of tea, I kind of stuck with the traditional broadcast, but okay i mean like i said i'm not you know it doesn't really like i don't hate it or i don't like it but i don't mm-hmm. hate it either so like i said if that's the alternative that people want to watch then we'll see but you know i think the manning cast style the mega cast style, i think that's going to be a thing i guess for a lot of these i know um on the in the final four they have like the whole I, I, they didn't have it this year but i think they had like the home team you know telecast yeah so, mm-hmm. but uh you know whoever schools is in the, uh, in the championship in the final four in mm-hmm. the championship game i know they do that too so Okay, I mean, yeah, it's cool, but you know, like I said, it's not for me. I don't have really a, a big, strong a opinion yeah. about it either way.
1: Yeah, I'll check it out on Sunday, but uh, the w- this crew should be considered for for an for a alternate broadcast, and this is actually a pregame show that they've been doing for years. Uh, Chicago's very young Cassidy Hubbard they, with her hoop streams. Mm-hmm. I know it was her uh, Monica McNutt, who's doing the uh, NBA Finals for ESPN Radio, is their mm-hmm. sideline reporter. I forgot who was the other uh, other uh, other girl that was with her last night, but that is a very good pregame show. It's, it's better than what you see on ABC, to be honest with you. I wish that crew would, uh, would uh, get some consideration for alternate broadcasts. Uh, Cassie Hubbard, what she she's been able to do uh, with that pregame show, Hoop streams over the last several years, has been uh, phenomenal.
0: Well, and like you said, I mean, it's sort of one of those things where you're kind of like, look, I mean, they, the TNT, the inside the NBA on TNT set, set the bar so high. I think any mm-hmm. that tries to to do it, I think it's it it just isn't real plausible. So I just put it on mute at halftime. So I just don't, don't, don't <laughs> have to listen to it. Well, but, uh,
1: a, a screaming at Smith was actually sounding like a normal human being at halftime last night. So you would have been very surprised. <laughs>
0: Well, it was actually well the place was actually pretty loud so we can actually hear them but you know but uh <laughs> well the place wasn't that loud so again i think if you want to go to boston I think that's gonna be another issue but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see you know like i said going to be another alternative so if you guys want to check that out go ahead mm-hmm. for sunday um, yeah well-
1: yeah, just real quickly, Keenan, speaking of the Boston Celtics, uh, the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals hits a four-year high, averaging 6.978 million viewers. And so that was the numbers from ESPN and ABC for their coverage of the Boston-Miami uh, Eastern Conference Finals series this year. We said that the ratings have been uh, the highest in the last five, six years for the NBA playoffs, even though most of the games have been non-competitive with the exception of last night. Uh, so, But uh, almost close to 7 million people watched the uh, uh, the, the entire seven-game series of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Heat.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, again, you could probably say that, you know, Boston, you know, Miami had a lot to do with that. You know, the teams, maybe they had to deal with the games. The games actually weren't that competitive. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. sort of interesting how that.
1: Game seven was good.
0: Even though Jimmy Butler
1: did some dumb stuff uh, toward the end of that game, but it was very competitive. (laughs) Yeah, it
0: was. was, Game game 6 and 7,
1: the last two games, uh, I don't have nothing to complain about.
0: Yeah, I mean, 6 and 7, I think were really good. I think that helped. The fact that, look, I think people are going to want to see, oh, who's going to win Game 6 and, you know, if they can force a Game 7, who's going to win Game 7? So I think that, you know, the parameters there, I think that usually helps, but, uh, yeah, so solid ratings. If you're ABC and ESPN, you gotta be feeling pretty good about those ratings. And I'm sure the ratings were actually really good last night. I don't, I haven't seen any preliminary ratings, but I'm sure you know the ratings were actually really solid. I'm sure it's gonna be solid on Sunday too, since they're mm-hmm. not really the only thing I hate is that they're competing against some of the NHL games, which I I don't know what happened with the scheduling. I know that ABC wanted yeah if you're abc especially if the nhl is going to be you're gonna be alternating with with tnt so i think that helps a little bit but if you're going to have it on you know both on you know in one year i would say work on the scheduling a little bit better but again that's just me yeah. um uh you know tennis you know the french open uh is wrapping up this weekend uh cool golf will be going for her first uh grand slam title she became the youngest and also uh the third american in the last 20 years after Serena Williams did, she'll be, fa- she'll be facing a, a pretty, uh pretty tough opponent. She's the number one player currently right now. And Iga Swatek from Poland. So she's going to try to become the first Polish woman to win a grand slam title. So, uh, check that out as check that out on NBC mm-hmm. and also to Rafa Nandau will be going for his 14th French open title. Um, he'll, he's still going on his opponent. Cause will they they're the other side of between Chile and rude is still going on right now as we speak. But, uh, you know, tough, tough way for uh, Alexander Zverev to go out because, you know, he sprained his ankle. They're actually playing a really solid, you know, they're playing in the middle of a tiebreaker in the second set. Rafa won the first tiebreaker. Unfortunately, Zverev uh, twisted his ankle pretty badly, and he had to withdraw. So, you know, the dog gets a little bit of a rest before he plays uh, on Sunday. So, uh, should be some great uh, French Open uh, matchups coming up. So, all you tennis fans out there, make sure you guys check that out.
1: Yes. And I, w- I want to leave you with this headline, like Keena. Uh, time permitting, we will probably discuss this a little bit more on Monday. But uh, Nessen, that's the New England uh, Sports Network. They're, they're the flagship station for the Boston Boston Red Sox and the the Boston Bruins. Uh, Nessen becomes the first U.S. Uh, regional sports network to launch full OTT service offering Nessen 360 for thirty dollars a month.
4: Hmm. Like okay, I yeah, said, time not-
1: permitting, we'll discuss this on Monday on that. Yeah, next we show. will.
0: We will. Yeah, because I got some thoughts on this, and we'll see if this becomes a trend with the other uh, sports mm-hmm. regional networks. We'll be. We'll, could we be seeing that in Chicago? Who knows? Also, for you, college uh, softball fans, you got the women's college world series going on. The OKC, you know, right now as we speak. Also, too, for on the men's side, on the baseball side, they start their tournament starting on. I think they're starting. I think like later today. So make sure you guys check that out for you softball and baseball fans out there. So some of the spring championships on in the college side is you know gearing up, and uh, a lot of uh top you know college players. Yesterday was a deadline for uh, college players to withdraw from the nba draft among some of the of uh, some of the other players that have withdrew yeah drew timmy from uh gonzaga among some of the some of the players isaiah wong from miami another guy that's coming mm-hmm. back uh i forgot the name of the guy from houston darn it but yeah he's coming back as well one of the kelvin's top players from houston i'll probably look that up in a little look that up as we uh say our uh goodbyes for the weekend, but uh, yeah, so you know, like 114. I know there's, a, there's a list out there too. Like 114 guys have Drew now. Kofi Korpor did not. He's staying in the, in, the, in the draft. So, uh, and also EJ Ladell as well, who Ricky mentioned, Ricky O'Donnell mentioned earlier. So, yeah, some guys made some good decisions.
1: Yep, I, I was shocked by Drew Timmy. I thought for sure he was be one of the, one. Of the, he was going to come out this year, but he decides to stay in school for another year. So, we'll see what happens. As Mark Few, as of right now, is wiping the sweat off his forehead. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that should help him a little bit, but I guess, I guess he wants to try to win a championship. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll, all right.
1: We'll I'm see. Gonna, we'll see. I'm not,
0: we'll yeah, not going to, I'm not touching that because it's not, we're not in that season yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some of the, uh, yeah. So, you know, I was actually shocked too with some of these guys, but look, you know, some look, some guys like playing in college, some guys still take, still take advantage of that rule. So, Again, yep. I mean you can't you can't I can't I'm not gonna fault him or any of the other guys that side to uh, to come back. But uh, I look well, I say there's somebody Marcus Sass, that's his name. Marcus Sass from uh Houston, you know, one of the you know the top scorers from last year, uh for Kelvin Santa. He's you know, he you know, he uh withdrew his name for the draft, so yeah, so a lot of you have great names. But, uh, yeah, so some guys I was shocked that that stayed. I won't say who because some of them y'all could have benefited from another year in school, but I won't go there. But uh. <laughs> with that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. Follow your Shirley
1: Sydney Brown on the Twitter and the IG at SIDK80. Once again, it's SIDK80. That's S I D K 80 S I D K 80 I almost uh, lost my train of thought there for a minute. Um, you can catch, uh, make sure you download the Sports on Chicago app. Make sure you follow S- Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can catch uh, second city sports or the audio version podcast by subscribing to War or Anger. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you follow War Media or at WARR Media on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And- Thank you very much in advance for your support
0: like share subscribe and tell your friends don't be like Jack. don't be like Tommy Fom and Jock Pierce, who are fighting over their uh fantasy football and such I mean I don't know what the dumb
3: happened there. dumb
0: what happened there but uh with that said uh, enjoy all the sports everybody you, you got look you've got uh the playoffs you got NBA finals Stanley Cup conference finals you got of course you got baseball you got college baseball and college softball going on too and also some just soccer and uh golf as well so enjoy the sports this weekend, everybody. Yo, if you're not gonna get vaccinated, yo, be good. Yo, wash your hands and be good to each other. First said on the Kansas of Second like City Sports on Sports on Chicago, and we'll see you Monday.
1: Thank you to Ricky O'Donnell for joining us today from SB Nation. Till Monday, go Sox! Holla!